This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field team. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Beat So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Destroyed fastballs, and he hits that one into right center field. That ball is well hit, and Randy Rosarina does it again. What a ride he is on. Randy Rosarina with a two-run home run, and the Rays no shift here for the Rays. Loud on the right of second in the pitch. Swing it off. Pop fly shallow right. Charging Margot. He is under it. And the Tampa Bay Rays have just won the American League pennant. For the second time in franchise history, the Rays are on their way to the World Series. This time he hits the ball to deep right field. Cody Bellinger has done it. And the Dodgers lead in game seven. First pitch. Fly ball. Center field, Bellinger is there, and he's got it! And the Dodgers advance to the World Series for the third time in the past four years. The team with the best record in baseball all year long, 43-17, and 17, in first place since the 13th of August, are the champions of the National League. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it's all set for Arlington, Texas. It's the number one seed against the number one seed. Everybody was worried about a tournament. Everybody was worried that a team under 500 could get in it and possibly win it. Well, it went chalk. It's number one against number one. It's the Braves out, Astros out, Dodgers raise in. How good is Tampa going right now? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady just beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champs, and now the Rays are in the World Series. Tampa St. Pete is rocking right now in sports. There is no question about it. Rays television play-by-play man Dwayne Stats will be here at 1.30. Anthony Castrovince from MLB.com and also the author of a fantastic book that if you want to get into analytics, you're going to like this book. It'll teach you a lot. The book is called A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics. He is going to join us coming up here at 2 o'clock. 
Tim Kirchin from ESPN will be here at 2.30, also from ESPN, and the morning show on ESPN Get Up. Paul Himbikides, who also joins every week, uh, Buster only on the podcast Baseball Tonight, better known as Himbo, will join us at 3. And then Jerry Hairston Jr., the world champion. He's been a part of the World Series uh, before with the, the New York Yankees winning in 2009 and now covers the Dodgers on television down in Los Angeles. So Jerry will join us at 3.30. So stats at 1.30, Castro Vince at 2, Kirchin at 2.30, Hembo at 3, and Harrison Jr. at 3.30. I got to tell you, I was thinking about this before we got on the air today. There's going to be a lot of front office personnel, and there's going to be a lot of teams put on notice. If the Rays win, Dodgers coming in, their favorites, William Hill out of uh, Nevada. Uh, they've they've put the the odds out there, and the Dodgers are the favorites. But if the Rays pull what would be an upset, you're going to have a lot of people in the game, and there's going to be f- fingers being pointed at you, saying, "I don't care what your payroll is. I don't care." I don't care what your market size is. Tampa Bay just won the World Series. As I mentioned, they got the Stanley Cup. They're rocking in football. Don't tell me what your market size is. Don't tell me what your payroll is. If they win this, there's going to be a lot of GMs, and they should. Their feet should be held to the fire. Why aren't you winning? Because the crazy thing about this World Series, just go to MLB.com. How are these teams built? And I can tell you, the Dodgers are built more like you think the Rays would be. The Dodgers have more homegrown players. Even though they've got the big payroll, they've got more homegrown players than the Rays do. The Rays really were built on trades. But the Rays are proving you don't have to have the biggest payroll. You don't you don't have to shell out. I mean, like, I mean, how many times have I taken phone calls in the postgame show? The A's don't spend money. It's always money, money, money. They're proving it's not about money. They're proving it's about smart decisions. And they've built a team that's playing in the powerhouse American League East against teams that traditionally spend a lot of money. So if the Rays win the World Series, spring training next year, who's going to want to hear about rebuilding? Who's going to want to hear that? Commander Cody, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, Good weekend. Good weekend of baseball. So that was good to see that Dodgers game last night. Dodgers-Braves game was awesome. Feel bad for the city of Atlanta because they can't hold a lead to save their lives in any sport. Uh, Falcons, Thrashers, Hawks. Doesn't matter what wow. sport you want to talk about. Uh, Hot take Monday. I mean, I mean, they're they're the MLS team on the one a uh, won the MLS Cup a couple years ago. But other Ooh. than that, yeah, exactly. The Dodgers looked great last night, and the Rays with their twenty eight point three million dollar payroll with a bunch of guys, as you mentioned, how they were built. They have five homegrown players that were drafted by them. The biggest name probably is Blake Snell, followed by Brandon Lau, and one of the trades that they made was a guy that used to be named Joey Wendell, who's a huge part of their defense because they're so good on defense. Joey Wendell was traded from the A's to the Rays for Jonah Heim a few years ago. So the Rays and all these trades they've made, that's how they built their team. They they took advantage of the trade market. The Randy Rosarena trade, he wasn't even the biggest name in the trade. It was Jose Martinez, 
and he's not even playing right now for the Rays. So the Rays are, again, at the forefront of a new market in efficiency. And what they're looking at, they are focusing on the uh, what you get back in trades. And they don't sign up. Like, Charlie Morton was the biggest free agent they've ever signed in franchise history. And it's not like he got a major contract. I think he got, like, $15 million a year. But that's the biggest deal they've ever signed a free agent to. And I don't see them signing another guy to that much money. And you're right. More teams are going to – if they won the World Series with a $28.3 million payroll, people are going to be like, okay, you know, for example – in Detroit and Baltimore and Pittsburgh, those are all teams that are trying to rebuild from the bottom up. And if the Rays are doing a small payroll, any team can do it. And the, it's now their second time in the World Series since 2008. That is an incredible feat for a team that they, everyone considers maybe the smallest market behind Milwaukee in baseball. I, you know, you just you got to do better as front offices. I mean, that's that you know they, they they've got they've got good players. They got tough players. These guys, these guys don't crumble. And I think there's something to be said about when you're taking on the Yankees and you've been taking on the Red Sox and you're taking on these teams that you either got to bring it or they're going to hand you your lunch day in and day out. And these players for the Rays at times have gotten their you-know-what kicked by the Yankees. Couldn't win at Yankee Stadium. And at some point, you just got to, you know, are you going to take it anymore? Are you going to step up? And that's what the Rays have done. Rays are tough. We've talked about it. They've got a bunch of tough-minded guys and who have all bought in. They've all bought into the front of the jersey versus the name on the back of the jersey. I've tried to preach this for years. Everybody has been so, why don't the A's, free agency, eh? It's about winning baseball games, no matter who the players are. I know you want to fall in love with players. Rays don't fall in love with players. Rays just want to win. What's more important to you? That you can buy a jersey? I can have my jersey, and this guy's going to be here for years, and that matters to me. Well, you know what matters to me? Winning. And that's what I respect about the Rays. They've gotten rid of their, their best players. They got rid of franchise guys. And there's a lot of A's fans, you know, sign Evan Longoria to a long-term deal. You think the Rays are not thrilled that the Giants took that contract off their hands? Are the Rays better not having Evan Longoria and that salary, that franchise player that you want so desperately? What's more important, getting to the World Series or being able to say you got an Evan Longoria jersey and he never left? So many of these free agent contracts are an albatross. I bet we could go around and look at every single organization and look at their contracts and say, look at this bad deal. Albert Pujols, bad deal. Guarantee you long-term, Manny Machado, bad deal. At what point are the Phillies going to say, yeah, man, signing Harper to this long-term deal was not a good idea. I bet we can go around, every single organization has them. And you make these bad deals and you're stuck. Now, there are certain organizations who make so much money that they can get out of it. You know, they can they can live with it. But a place like Tampa, they don't feel like they can, and they never they never put themselves in that situation. I applaud them. 
got a lot of respect. Having been to St. Petersburg with the A's and seeing what they got to work with, it's not a whole heck of a lot. I got to tell you, it wasn't fun going to the Trop. The Trop's awful. Like, I can't imagine going to work there 81 times. Cody, it's like, it's, it's, it's bad. I mean, it's like dark and everything's blue and it's bad turf and it's just, nobody's there. You like, when you walk in, I mean, it's, you're, you're, you're outside, you know, St. Petersburg, Florida is like an old, I mean, it's a nice little town, great hotel that the A's stay in. Um, You know, we were there on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so it wasn't hopping, but they had nice restaurants. A lot of people go there to retire. I mean, it was a nice little downtown. And then all of a sudden you, you take the Uber over to the ballpark and you go from being outside and it's nice to going to this dark, gloomy. I mean, the place sucks. Like, I can't imagine, like, if that was your baseball team, like, having to, like, I understand why people don't want to go. I just watch it on television. I want to have season tickets for that. And they say the biggest problem is, is that there's, like, bad traffic going from Tampa Bay to St. Petersburg, and that if the team was in Tampa, they actually would draw well because the hockey team draws well, the Buccaneers draw well. It's just hard to get over to St. Petersburg. But who knows what's going to happen with them? I mean, there's been the talk about them relocating, talking about potentially playing some of their games in Montreal. I mean, it's been a mess. But it doesn't affect Kevin Cash and the players because they're strong-minded individuals. They all understand that they are there to do one thing, show up and be ready to go when your name's called. You don't know if you're pitching today. You don't. It's just everybody be ready to go. And your best reliever, Anderson, he could be coming in the fifth inning. He could be coming in the sixth inning. No one's standing down there going, I'm the closer. I have to get the ball in the ninth inning. No one's doing that. Well, they have 13 saves by – they have 13 different people with a save so far this year. Yeah, including the, including the postseason, 13 different guys because uh, Peter Fairbanks is quietly becoming one of my favorite relievers in baseball just from his antics and how he pitches to – his whole uh, wind-up or his uh, routine on the mound to how he is after the game, calling on ESPN and all that stuff, quietly becoming one of my favorite players. But, yes, 13 different guys, in, including the postseason, had a save this year for the race, which just is uh, remarkable. What do you say about ESPN? So when they beat, so whenever uh, they were – I think it was the first round, they called up uh, Blake Snell, Ian Snell, and they, they screwed up his name, and he said something about it. So when they beat the Yankees, he was like, oh, yeah, maybe ESPN will learn more about us after we beat their golden boy. Talking about Garrett Cole, and all. it was it was really it was really good. <laughs> hey, you want respect? You got to go out and earn it. I mean, that's the bottom line, and that and they're doing it. And I think it's great for baseball. And I think having the Dodgers in great for baseball. You know, this Dodger team is really really talented, and you got some legacies. I mean, if, if Kershaw can turn it around, pitch well, and they win the World Series, you know, you can kind of, you know, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the most dominant pitchers of his time. You throw a World Series title on top of that, you start thinking of guys like Justin Turner and, you know, Mookie Betts has already won, but Bellinger hasn't. 
Start thinking about these players and what it will mean for the, you know, winning eight straight divisions and finally getting a World Series title. You know, people are always trying to throw Dave Roberts out. They're always saying he's going to get fired. If they don't win, he's, you know, how many times have we heard that? How much will this change for Dave Roberts? It's not easy managing all those egos. That's the difference between Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash has mostly guys not making money, not with super huge egos, to where Dodgers, they got a lot of big egos. They got a lot of swag. You watch them play. We watch them roll into Mesa and Arizona. They come they come rolling in like they own the joint. They're the Dodgers. Best record in baseball. This is going to be a fun World Series. Two teams that play great defense. Two teams that got over that hump. You know, the Dodgers had to come back from 3-1. The Rays were up 3-zip. Next thing you know, Houston won 3. By the way, I don't know when it's going to air tonight. But in Houston, Vanessa Richardson, I got to know Vanessa when I was with the Raiders in Houston, and the Raiders were getting whooped on by the Texans. And we ended up having her on the program, if you remember. I want to say, was that last year? Yeah, it was last year. It was after that Texans-Raiders game. We had her on for something. Oh, it was when the Astros won the World Series again. Yeah, so she has a half-hour sit-down with Jeffrey Lunau the disgraced former front office head for the Houston Astros. So I guess she goes to his home, and they sit down for a half hour. I cannot wait. I don't know how we're going to see it. I'm sure we'll end up on YouTube pretty pretty fast. But what's he going to say? Because he's shown no remorse. I mean, he he, you know... He's just, he just went, he's like a submarine. He went dark. A.J. Hinch basically came out and did a press conference, and he just flat out lied. He acted, you know, I, I know for a fact he lied. You haven't heard a whole lot from Alex Cora. He took his punishment. Carlos Beltran, what, what's he said? A lot of these guys, you know. Essentially, the the players, I call them, they're they're bank robbers. They robbed the bank, got away with it, got to keep the money, and all they had to do was squeal, and the four people who took the fall are all non-players. Beltran doesn't play anymore, lost his job with the Mets. Cora lost his job with the Red Sox. Hanch and Luna with the Astros out. Only four guys took the fall. And everybody you talk to all know that if the if the season would have gone down and they would have had to play in front of fans, they would have been toast. We have we have now found out because we weren't really following spring training in Florida all that much. We have found out we're gonna keep the names out of it. We have found out that teams noticed almost immediately how the core Astro players were not playing in spring training. They would take like one at bat and that was it. And they'd be out of the game. And in that one at bat, they were getting heckled. They'd take that one at bat and then boom, they jettisoned off to the backfields. Why do you think they all didn't have the same years they had? And that was without fans. What do you think that would have been like? So I'm real curious 
to see what the mastermind has to say. Because this is probably the interview. If he's going to grant an interview, I mean, this guy's real strategic. He's not a dummy. What is said in this interview will dictate his future in the game. And if he's just going to pull like Cody, uh, it's lower level employees. I didn't have much to do with it. I I don't know how you get back in the game. Now, he used to work for that consulting firm. I can't. Do you remember the name of it? Wasn't it like McKinsey? I think it was McKinsey Consultants. Yeah, something like that. So maybe he maybe he he's a smart guy. Someone's going to hire him. Maybe he goes into a different field. But if he wants to run a baseball team again, because that if I'm going to hire you, with knowing how horrible you treated your people, and how people just felt ran over, and they, you know, I mean, it was just a really bad environment working environment that Major League Baseball does not want that kind of environment. So if you're going to get hired back by somebody, are you going to show some remorse? Are you going to say sorry? Are you going to be one thing people don't like to be? That's called accountable. A lot of people have, it's a bad trait, but a lot of people don't like to be accountable. They like pointing fingers at other people and blaming other people and shifting the blame. It's in all walks of life. We have all worked for people that are bad managers, that are bad bosses, and they don't want to be held accountable. So if you try to say, ah, yeah, I got this email, but I really didn't read it. I mean, these guys are sending these long emails. My God, I was too busy. I've never heard that excuse before in my life. That was so that's basically what he said. You know, because remember when he was fired, then he came out with a statement. I mean, basically, like, yeah, these guys are writing these like book long emails, and I'd read the first couple sentences and I was closing. I always laugh that everybody acts like, oh, yeah, we really didn't know. So somebody had to go buy the camera. Someone had to go buy the television. Someone had to go to Best Buy or wherever. Maybe they got it online. I don't know. Somebody had to walk that camera out to center field. Somebody had to connect that camera and take it all the way to home plate. Uh, excuse me, behind uh, their, their dugout where the TV was. Someone was taking the TV and putting it away and setting it back up for every game. They didn't leave the TV up. So everybody knew what was going on. And it wasn't until an actual player like Mike Fire steps up and says, yes, this was going on. I, I mean, I still, it, it's like, I'd love to interview him. Okay, how'd it work? You're going to honestly tell me you didn't know you had a TV that was stealing the signs next to your dugout. You had no idea because you didn't read the email. I mean, seriously. They all knew about it. They all are guilty. What's he going to say? Because it's, what did you hear, Cody? It's a half hour? So, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. It's supposed to be 37 minutes. Uh, Vanessa tweeted that it'll be, on, it'll be online 
uh, from uh, after it's airing at six thirty in Houston, so four thirty our time. It'll be online after thirty seven minutes. Oh yeah, it's two hours. The uh, the station is KPRC, but they they put out like a teaser video of Luno, uh, and I'll, I'll play it for you right now. And I told him. I also looked at him and I told him I would like to take a lie detector test because it essentially came down to one person's word that I might have known against my word. So there's there's something about you know there's one of them. There was a couple she she sent. I'll see if I can find another one. Um, it was him talking about like code breaker and all that stuff. Uh, here it is. And I'm sure there was some advantage gained from breaking the rules. For the first time since he was fired from the Astros, former GM Jeff Luno is speaking out about the Astros cheating scandal. In fact, there's a few text messages uh, where they say, don't tell Jeff. They were, um, you know, assigning duties, who's on codebreaker duty tonight, and I told him I would like to take a lie detector test. Are you still rooting for this team? The exclusive interview, Monday at 6.30 on KPRC2. So there you go. There's a go full denial. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I mean, we I, we watched the Agent Hinch one he did with uh, um, Tom Verducci. Um, what was that last year? It was like right after. It was pretty much like right after he, or maybe it was during before. It happened. It feels like a year ago, but I think it was still this year at some point. But he sat down with and Verducci and answered all the questions. And you know, it was, I can't wait to see what Luno says though. That's that's the one I'm watching as a guy that I liked a lot before all this came down. The way he rebuilt the Astros from nothing to going and winning that wild card game in twenty was it twenty fifteen against the Yankees and the talent they developed it's gonna be really interesting I I, I this is gonna be uh, must watch TV in Houston well anywhere but I'm sure it's gonna get a lot of uh, views on uh, on their website and on YouTube wherever they post it after when it's over yeah let's try and have her on on Thursday to see what it was like I can't I mean I'm I'm I am going to – We I know we have a uh, – the Professor Matt Pearl, we have a meeting at 4.30, but I got to watch this. This is going to be – I mean, it's scandalous. I mean, what the Patriots and what the Astros have done is straight scandalous. And the whole narrative, see, we're good enough. See, we win. Like, Carlos Correa doesn't understand. It makes you even worse. If you didn't need it to win and you did it anyway, it makes you look worse. And by the way, no matter how many games you win, no matter how good you are, you're always going to be a cheater. It's a lesson learned, folks. My old head coach, Sam Perraro, San Jose State legend, the Hall of Famer, would always tell us, it takes years to build a great reputation. Years. It takes one screw-up to ruin it all. And that, it's great advice. You can do so many great things for so long, but you make one really bad mistake, and it ruins all that hard work. So I... These guys can say that they can they can be in full on denial all they want. They're cheaters. You're cheats. Who's gonna who's gonna look at one of those guys wearing their World Series ring and not think of them? Could you can you ever like look at one of those guys again, Cody, and not think of cheaters? No, and it's it's unfortunate because some of the guys that I really like, like like a Charlie Morton who was on that team, 
you know, people love Justin Verlander, but he was a part of that team. I know you're we're we're fixated more on the offensive guys like Altuve and Bregman and Springer and Altuve and all the you know uh, Josh Reddick, like those guys, the guys that were more of a part of it than the pitchers. But you're a team, and everyone knew about it. And there's a lot of good character guys on that team that people like. Uh, that you know they they look at them differently, and I, I can't really look at that as a legit World Series. Like none, none of us do. It's I feel for Dodger fans, but I also wanted to see Astros Dodgers again because if the Dodgers would have lost to the Astros again without the cheating, what do Dodger fans say now? Are they going to claim that they shouldn't even be here? They had a losing record. Like no, I just I just I couldn't. All right, coming up next, Dwayne Stats from the Rays is going to join us right here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Dwayne Stats from uh, Rays Television is going to join us as Tampa St. Pete. I mean, it's just rocking uh, with everything that's been going on. Dwayne, how are you? Welcome back to A's Cast Live. Hey, great to be with you. How are you? I'm just looking at everything going on. You got the Stanley Cup champs. Tom Brady's out dueling Aaron Rodgers, and you guys are in the World Series. I mean, Tampa and St. Pete have become the sports mecca in our country. Center of the universe. <laughs> it's been really great. It uh, it has been unbelievable. Uh, just the fact that uh, you know anybody this year with everything that's gone on has gotten. Um, any kind of season end, much less uh, postseason, I think is unbelievable. And uh, I think we could all use it. And I know uh, we could here in Tampa Bay. So it's been it's been a great run so far. Yeah. And when I, I, I know a lot of people were worried about when you expand the playoffs. But uh, speak to this. We have the number one seed against the number one seed. Well, uh, you know, it's it's um, I don't know what to tell you, except. It was uh, written in the stars, and this is going to be a great series between these two clubs. You know, to figure out, number one, how to get the season in anyway. And there were a lot of naysayers at the outset, and somehow they did it through, you know, a, a number of clubs had some some very special uh, challenges to get there. And now um, to get down to the, uh, to the World Series, I'll tell you, I really was impressed with that whole playoff uh, and postseason format, uh, under the circumstances, I don't think it could have gone any better. Well, I agree. And, and I think for us as baseball fans, just how great was it to have baseball basically every single day? Yeah, I love that. I, I You know, I'm not sure the pitching staffs always did, but uh, I, I, think, uh, I, I think they did a great job to get this thing to where it is now. And I'm really looking forward to to uh, this uh, World Series. So down, I, it seems like a million years ago, but down in San Diego at the winter meetings, we got to sit down with Kevin Cash. And he is so smart, so engaging. You can see why he is a great leader. And the number one thing I think about him is, is you got to be able to get buy-in. Everybody's got to buy in because not every move are, are the players going to like. Guys don't like to lose innings. Guys don't like to lose at-bats. Just talk about his leadership style and how the kid from Tampa does get everybody to buy in. 
Yeah, I think you're you're right on uh, the mark there with Kevin. I'll tell you. And from the very beginning, I, you know, we've all been around a lot of teams, a lot of years, a lot of seasons. And I think the buy-in begins at the very beginning when, when they open spring training. And, you know, you're going to have a 40-man roster and you're going to have 25 other guys there as invites or whatever they're going to be. You're going to have a lot of players in camp. And I've never seen a team uh, be able to pull off what they have in terms of getting the buy-in. Obviously, this year, 28-man rosters, not everybody obviously is going to be on that roster. But the guys who came to camp, and whether it was years past where they'd go to the minor leagues and this year, you know, go to the camp, they all felt that they would get their opportunity to play. And that was the message that they've always sent here at the beginning of spring training. Whether a, a player breaks camp with the team or not, they fully expect that player who is sent out to show up at some time during the season and contribute to the major league effort. And I think that's the point. And we get a lot of guys through here who are, you're disappointed if you don't make that final cut to begin the year, but they know it's a long season and, and they have been ready. I mean, one guy after another, they've been able to come up and do that. So I think the mentality starts there. And I think really the biggest challenge is the one you mentioned where you've got a starting pitcher and, and maybe he goes four, maybe he goes five, sometimes six. But the real challenge is when he goes four and two thirds and has to leave. And that's a challenge. And they've managed to work their way through that. You know, I, I you know, watching the, the Rays from afar. I just get a sense of mental toughness that after a while you get tired of the Yankees kicking your, you know what at Yankee stadium, you get tired of the Red Sox beating you. You get tired about uh, hearing about your payroll. You get tired of hearing about Tropicana field. Just talk about how mentally tough this group is based off everything that, you know, I just said that they've had to deal with for the past couple of years. Yeah. You know, I I've been here from the beginning to watch, uh, the futility and then the success that they've had recently. And um, the 08 team was interesting and in that it, it started to mature the year before you could see a little bit of that. And they mixed in some veterans there with some pretty good young talent. And, and that whole process has continued over the next decade where this club has been pretty competitive year in and year out for a decade not always getting to the postseason, but being contenders. And this year's club was really interesting in that, um, you know, you, you look at Charlie Morton, uh, you look at Kevin Kiermeyer, and, and Kevin almost by default was a veteran-type player here. And you had all these young guys, and they were just going for it. You know, they felt uh, they could compete. Uh, there, was, there was enough success in their backgrounds, I think, that they felt they could contend with people. And I think the point you made about the Yankees is very important. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, the club was still transitioning, and, and the Yankees, you know, would stand up. And I, I think this year, uh, when the Rays answered that call, I think that was really important, particularly down, down at the end of the 60-game schedule when they had that little uh, – get together. I think that was a big lift for this club 
you know, they, it's just just as if you're saying I'm I'm not going to take it anymore, and uh, and I think that helped them to coalesce into the group they've become. You know, we've been joking even on an off day. A Rosa Reina probably still has two hits. I mean, this guy. Uh, he's, 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 he's come out of nowhere. It's, I mean, chasing down Derek Jeter records. I mean, what has it been like watching this kid? I know. I, I thought uh, Eric Neander uh, post game the other night had, uh, he, he said, look, we knew he was pretty good. We had no idea he was this good. You know, when they made that deal with the Cardinals, uh, they, I think they felt he was going to come up and, and they would hope he would develop. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where a guy gets hot and things start to roll. And we've seen that, you know, from time to time in the history of the game. There have been a few World Series heroes like that. They just get hot at the right time. Uh, the deal with him, though, from, you know, he, he had to overcome. He got COVID, was isolated, and then found himself eventually with the club looking for playing time. And, and you could see talent there. There's no question. There's ability there. Uh, no one, I think, saw the kind of postseason coming that he's had. And I'll tell you, they're really fortunate that he has done what he's done because the guy they expected to hit, uh, Brandon Lau, is hitting about 120. And I think the rest of the lineup's around 160. So they really, they really needed a Rosarena. And he's been, he's been the story, no question about that. How do you think they match up against the Dodgers? Well, I, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think I think going in, the Dodgers are going to be the favorites, which uh, doesn't doesn't phase this Rays team at all. You know, the Dodgers have been there; they still have something to prove. You know, trying to get that big win in the postseason over the last uh, handful of seasons, and and so they're going to have plenty of incentive. I, they have Mookie Betts, who arguably you know, all things considered, when everybody's healthy in a full season, you could argue he's still the best guy around in this game. But the Rays, uh, the the Rays will play their game, and I fully expect them to be right there. Uh, I mean, every pitch of this World Series, it's an upstart bunch. Uh, they're they're a talented group, and they believe in each other. They pick each other up. So I, I think, uh, and, and in fact, I really think when you look back at the Dodgers when in the old days when they had that great pitching and not a lot of offense, great defense, you know, they were a scrappy bunch. And I, and I think in the modern era where we don't rely upon hit and runs and sacrifices and all that the way those clubs did, we still rely on pitching and we still rely on good defense in this game. And it's you know the long ball more than uh, more than it used to be, so I, I think um, while the Dodgers will be the favorite going in, uh, I, it would be difficult to bet against this Tampa Bay club. I, I think there's enough here that uh, we're gonna we're gonna see some enjoyable baseball all the way down the line here. Well, I got to tell you, when you guys laid down a sack bunt, I had to like pause my my DVR. I had to rewind it. Did I really just? <laughs> did I really just see? Did that just really happen? I mean, you had to be shocked. Yeah. Well, that's the only one we've seen all year. And I'm going to tell you, the other side of this, the stolen base. You know, people are a little a little uh, squeamish on uh, using 
the running game and the Rays didn't run a lot, haven't run a lot. The first part of, well, the first 30 games, hardly at all. And then the, the second 30 games of that regular season, they implemented the stolen base. They figured out they have some guys who can, who can pick up an extra base here and there that way. And so I think uh, based on who's going to be on the mound and who might be behind the plate, that's, still a part of their game, which is a little bit of a departure, which I still make uh, make the point that in that way, uh, there is some resemblance back to those those Dodger teams in the olden days. And I think they're just a scrappy bunch the way they are. So, you know, you could say, you know, if you go way back in baseball history, when the Dodgers were trying to battle the Yankees, trying to get to the World Series, you know, this this could be like a reenactment of that. Only the Rays will play the role of the old Dodgers, and the Dodgers are going to play the role of the old Yankees. And so we'll uh, we'll see uh, a World Series battled uh, tooth and nail right down to the end. You know, getting to the World Series and winning the World Series is huge for any organization, but especially organizations that are trying to get a, a new stadium. What do you think this run is going to do for the Rays? I'm not sure if it's going to be in St. Pete. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, I haven't really looked into it in a long time. But what do you think this run will do for them? Well, you know, there are a lot of unknowns. Before the whole COVID and what's happened to the economy, there were unknowns then. I think there are greater unknowns now. All I can say about that is a season like this certainly cannot hurt. And what we're hoping that, and baseball has filled this role a lot and historically in, in our society to, uh, to help us get through some of these uh, situations we've, we've seen through the years. I certainly hope that this is going to be one of those situations. And I, I, I think this market is a viable market. The problem is, uh, if you get right down to it, uh, there's great enthusiasm here. Our, our TV numbers have always been consistently very good here, uh, even against other programming in the market. The problem has always been support from the corporate base, and there's not a gigantic corporate base. And so I'd like to see this market grow in that area, and if they could continue to do that, then this is a, a viable market. But that, if, in the final economic analysis, I think that's going to be it. You know, and there's been a lot of talk about a split season with Montreal and here and other places. But you don't know how uh, how this COVID situation has affected all of those markets either. So the, I guess the only answer to your question is I'd like to look at this optimistically and say this will help this this franchise catapult itself in ways that it had not before economically, which would be great. But the truthful answer to that, I'm not sure anybody really knows. I'm not sure people know in a lot of areas of our economy what happens when we finally come through this uh, pandemic. So we're going to wait and see. But I'll say this, this will not hurt at all. This is a major positive and a step in, in the direction we all want to go. Let's end on this, because obviously yesterday's game, uh, the Packers and the Patriots was the big national game, so everybody got to see it. And it's still weird for me. I don't know. Is it weird for you to still see Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform? It, it does take a little getting used to that. And I'll, and I'll tell you, 
just a personal aside, my son-in-law is Dan Wheeler, who pitched for the Rays and a couple other clubs as well, and the Astros for that matter. But he's a New England guy. He's a Rhode Island guy. And he's been a Patriots fan forever and was the biggest Tom Brady fan of all time. And now that Brady's left the Patriots, he's kind of abandoned them. So <laughs> I, I was really surprised to see that because it's a strange sight to see Brady in uh, Bucks uh, colors. No question about that. Well, you know, we always raise like, like like a twin brother. You know, when you think about the A's and the Rays on the field, you think about the same issues off the field as we're trying to get a new ballpark here. So we're going to be uh, sticking with tradition and rooting for the American League, and we're rooting for you guys. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. We appreciate it, and good luck, and uh, hopefully you're going to get that World Series. Hey, I'm honored to be with you, and we're looking forward to it. If we do, we'll uh, we'll reconvene and. Uh celebrate together on the air oh that will be great take care and be safe okay grace be good yeah i'm rooting for the rays there's no doubt about it and that guy right there has had one unbelievable career i mean he's been with what the yankees the cubs the astros and he's been there ever since their first season 1998 was the first season for the rays that was such a long time ago. Where were you, Commander, in 1998? I was 10, and that would have been during the home run race of Sosa McGuire, or known as a uh, friend of the program, A.J. Schnack, the guy that directed the Long Gone Summer. Uh, that was what, you know, I was already a baseball fan, but watching that home run race in 1998, you know, cat, you know captivated my love for baseball even more and everything. But yeah, Dwayne's great. He, uh, I enjoy watching Rays games are on TV. The highlights when they walk off, I just, I just think he's a, a really good broadcaster. And remember, we had him on for Ricky for when Ricky broke the stolen base record because it was against the Yankees, and he he was uh, on the call for the Yankees, so we had him on for that. So uh, always enjoy when we can talk to him or Dave Wills from the Rays. And unfortunately, we're, we're not going to get to talk to my good friend Kevin Cash. He's a little too busy for us. But we'll get we'll get him down the road. Maybe at the, maybe at the winter meetings. I, I, I got to tell you, you got a lot of nerve asking for the manager before the World Series when they have, what, what one day off? Um, yeah. It, well, the, Ray, the, the, guy, the guy that runs the Ray, Rays, uh, PR, I got to know him because of last year when we had the opener, Ryan Stanek on and Joey Wendell, and then when we had Cashy on at, at the winter meeting. So I got, to, I got to have a good relationship with them. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll 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 make it happen. And you know, they reached out and they said, "Hey, thank you again for the kind words and everything." But yeah, we're gonna have to pass on this one. I <laughs> I fully anticipated they would pass on it, but if I if somehow we were able to get Cashy on, that would have been that would have been pretty uh pretty high level. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Hey. No, yeah. No problem. We'll get him on for you tomorrow. You want him live? You want him live? Do you want him, actually? You know, we're, Texas isn't uh, Dallas isn't that far from San Jose. Maybe we'll fly him up there for you. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be, this is, I think it's going to be very compelling and I think a lot of people are going to watch it. What else are you watching? This is, this is live compelling theater right in front of you. The Dodgers are the type of team that you get a reaction. People either like them or they hate them. And then I think there's going to be a lot of people out there rooting for the underdog, rooting for the small guy. It's the big guy against the small guy. 
I mean, it drives me nuts. It's got to be Yankees and Dodgers. No, no, no. You can have, I mean, look at the World Series last year. Nationals up against uh, the Astros, where the road team won every game. I mean, everybody I know is going to be watching it. Wherever you go in a restaurant, well, the bars are open around the country. It's not here. People are going to be watching. And hopefully we get an epic seven-game series. It's a good pitching matchup tomorrow, too. Glass now versus Clayton Kershaw. Shocker, Kershaw's, Kershaw's starting game one, not Walker Bueller. And his tight pants. Yeah, what is what is the deal with his tight pants? I, I don't know. And I still have the audio. For, it was one of those dumb questions. Someone asked him after his start the first time around. They're like, oh, Walker, you know, Walker Bueller's tight pants are trending on Twitter. Not the time, Michael. Like, he was, like, kind of pissed that they asked him that question. And then they asked Max Fried about it, and he was like, well, you know, everyone, you know, it was kind of each their own. They, you know, everyone's different. Like, he gave, like, a generic answer, but he answered it. But Walker Bueller was like, yeah, don't, why are you asking me this, essentially? Like, we just lost. <laughs> you, you, just, uh, you just brought something up that I don't understand. If you take that guy's last name and you put it in front of chicken, what would it be called? Oh, yeah. Freed chicken? Freed? How do you get freed out of F R I E D? Yeah, I know, but it's because it... if you put it in front of chicken, it's called fried chicken. Yeah, it's weird. Fried. <laughs> not freed, not freed chicken, or freed oysters, or freed whatever. It's not freed wings. It's fried chicken wings, not freed chicken wings. <laughs> Like I can't like I'm like I I I just go how's this spot how's this possible how do you get freed out of fried I I just I don't know that you, was just something you know you know where he came from right if only uh, Bob Townsend's Padres would hold on to that guy he's pretty good for the Braves so there's no question they're yeah, talented a, 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 the Braves Braves are tough I was very 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 impressed by the Braves I have no idea. The Astros to me, so yesterday hanging out with a couple buddies, and the Astros came up. If there are fans allowed into the stands next season, their first series is in Oakland. The first series is Astros A's at the Coliseum. Then the Dodgers come to town. Do you think by this, by, by next year, was that late March, I think? Yeah, April 1st was opening day, I think. Do you think people are still – are they going to be more angry or less angry about the Astros? Well, it depends on what happens with uh, Jeffrey Luno tonight. Uh, <laughs> Who's just going to deny everything? Well, there, so it's funny you bring that up because I sent it to you at the worst possible time when, when Dwayne Stats was on, but – uh, they Vanessa Richardson, who's doing the interview, put a link out from the web from the website of the TV station, and it was just pretty much like it, it starts by saying Luna revealed to KPRC two that he has evidence of his innocence. So there's gonna be a lot of uh, talking about how he has text messages and emails, and you're look, you gotta look at it this way: you're the president of baseball operations or whatever his title was, because I'm just a lower level guy, so I don't really know what his title was. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're the guy that oversees all of that. So it's, it's going to be a bad look. I think people are still going to be pissed at the Astros. I think there's no way, to, there's no way around it because uh, they didn't get a chance to vent that frustration this year. 
And you and I kind of talked about it on Saturday about how if the Astros would have won, if the Astros win, which was Saturday, so the game was at night, if they would have win, and you're like, oh, you think the fans will boom? I'm like, they're going to have a lot of, f- of their own fans there because Houston's not that far from Dallas. I mean, opposed to coming from L.A. for a lot of Dodger fans. But it would have been great. That, that series would have been great, but I'm really happy it turned out being Dodgers Rays uh, over anything. He was the general manager and then the president of baseball operations. Yeah, so big title. Not CBO so, big, but so well, 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 let me wrap my head, head around this. You're the head of the organization. Everything in baseball in this organization is under you. You're the president of baseball operations. And either way you look at it, now that I'm thinking about this, if you don't know what's happening in your organization, that's really bad too, Jeff. If you don't know that everybody below you is treating lower-level employees like crap and you don't know that, that's still on you. Playing the I don't know card doesn't get you out. It actually makes you even a worse of a boss. If you're going to say you had no, I have proof I didn't know what was. So you're running an organization and you don't know what's going on in it? You tell me, Cody, are are you telling me that that doesn't make you look bad? That you didn't know what was going on? That everybody else knew what was going on but you. Your manager knew about it. Your coaches knew about it. Your staff knew about it. The players knew about it. Everybody knew about it but you? Yeah. (laughs) So you think that's okay? That makes you a clueless boss. Instead of an evil boss, now you're just a clueless boss. There's no way to come out of this looking good. So you can play the I didn't know card. Well, if you didn't know, then you should be fired. You should be fired if you don't know what's going on in your organization. Can you imagine, like, Cody saying, you know, something happened with Ace Cast, and Cody goes, I, well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're the guy that loads everything onto Ace Cast. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. The I don't I don't know card is not a good card to play either. I'm just is it me? No, you're right. And here's an excerpt um, from from this talking about Luno said he uh, talked about who had the access to the text and the additional thousands of emails. The text and the documents are all part of the investigation. So Major League Baseball had all of it. The Astros have had all of it. And like I said, it's it's all there in black and white, pretty clear when you read through those text messages. And I'm talking about the video decoding scheme. I'm not talking about the trash can banging scheme. Two separate things. But it's pretty clear who was involved in the video decoding scheme, when it started, how often it happened, and basically when it ended. And it's also pretty clear who was not involved. So and he's also not happy that the text messages and emails weren't part of the investigation that was released. So this is going to be really fascinating to watch. 37-minute yeah, interview. How about your assistant GM being a bully against females in the clubhouse? How about that? Oh, remember when you backed him at first? Yeah. Remember, Jeffrey Leno backed the guy. I can't remember what his name was. What was his name? Brandon Taubman. They backed him. Then they backed him again. 
and backed him again. It was like the fourth press release. Finally, they had to say, okay, the guy's out of here and we feel bad. Your management style is so awful. And now you're just going to act like you didn't know about anything? How do you hire this guy? Because I've had people call me the post guy. They should hire him. He's so smart. I don't know how you hire the guy. I mean, if this is your, if it is, if your defense to the scandal is I'm clueless, I, I I don't see. Maybe it's me. I don't see how it's a good defense. Just saying. Coming up next. Anthony Castrovitz from MLB.com right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. You know what I wonder? How is... The commissioner's office going to see this because his suspension, his suspension is up at the end of the World Series. Is that right? Or is it till the end of the year? I thought it was after the World Series for him and Hinch and I think even Cora, too. Oh, no, Cora gets suspended or did he? He's got fired. Yeah. So, yeah. No, so, gets- yeah. So I think it's ended, ended the, after the World Series is over because technically that was a year. Maybe they're going in terms of baseball year. But yeah, I think it's after the World Series, and then they can because Hinch is getting all these requests to be interviewed by the Detroit and could be the White Sox. So same with Cora. So yeah, I think it's after the World Series they can all, I guess, essentially look for work. So I'm gonna try and prove to you that I didn't know it was going on in my own operation. Is that a hireable guy? Seriously. Are you going to hire somebody who just says the worst cheating scandal in baseball history was happening underneath my nose and I didn't even know it? Can you hire somebody like that? I mean, to be the head of your organization? Because that's, I mean, really the most important guy in your organization beyond players and manager, and you know, it's the guy that puts the team together. You know, everything around it, sales, marketing, everything. I mean, they're all supporting the team. The guy that puts the team together, that's what you're selling. That's your brand. That's your you, – you, you're going you're gonna to hire this guy to be that for you, for your organization? You tell me. Would you hire him, Cody? Uh, probably not. I think he needs to step away from the game for a few years. Um, I think if he wants back in baseball, I think eventually he might get back in. I think everyone's always we're, – we're always for second chances, and we're going to probably see Hinch or, or – uh, But, but, but we, we, we like second chances when someone admits to it. Yeah, and he's – like second chances when someone shows remorse. If you show no remorse and you have no accountability, that's when people – Go all Pete Rose and say to hell with him. Yeah, and it's gonna it, this whole interview. You're right. It's gonna be very telling. And you said you want to with the commissioner's office. So our good friend Robbie, what Robbie's doing and what he how he's gonna perceive this because we saw like immediately when this came out. What was it, like an hour later? The when they suspend them, the the Astros came out and said, "Nope, you're all you're both fired." 
So it's going to be very telling to see how this goes for Luno's image and how we all perceive it, but also how the baseball community, the, the you know, the president or the president, the commissioner and everyone looks at this because they're essentially going to be in charge of making the decision if he should be back, let back in baseball or not. Because we ha- we saw with Pete Rose, he never admitted it, and he's not back. But you always bring up A-Rod. A-Rod apologized, and he's on national TV everywhere. And he will be for the World Series. He'll be on Fox's pre- and post-game coverage because he said sorry, something Barry Bonds yeah. never did. Or Roger Clemens. How'd it work for them? All right, earlier today, we caught up with Anthony Castrovitz from MLB.com. Anthony, it's great to have you back on. How is life treating you? Life's good. Uh, we made it. We made it to the World Series. There was a lot of uh, you know, concern at various points that we want to get here, so here we are. So I'm just going to uh, soak it in. And, of course, the book is uh, a, a Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics. It's a great book. Check it out. Uh, I'll teach you a lot about the game. And, once again, I know a lot of our listeners have picked up the book. Congratulations on the success of this. Yeah, you know, it's done pretty well in light of the difficult circumstances, obviously, with a shortened baseball season and um, and just, you know, a lot going on in our world, to say the very least. But, uh, you know, we're happy with it. And uh, it should have a shelf life, too, no pun intended for a book. But uh, it just, uh, you know, it helps helps fans just gain a greater grasp of, of the stats that are really driving the game, you know, um, and, and to help equate. We all know what a good 300, what a good average is, what a good RBI total is. But. You know, this book, especially in a shortened season like this, and who knows what ha- what we have going forward in 2021, this book really helps you understand the the rate statistics and the and the statistics that that average things out to the league average to help you understand where a guy sits relative to his peers. I think that's important right now. You know, on your guys' website MLB.com, they have the how the rosters were built story going right now, and you would think just if if you didn't know off the top of your head, you'd think Tampa Bay would have a lot more homegrown players than the LA Dodgers. But that's not mm. the case. It's actually the the Dodgers are built more how you think the Rays would be built. Yeah, it's true, and that's what makes the Dodgers so dangerous. You know they've been dangerous and they will remain dangerous for the foreseeable futures. They have such an incredible pipeline and not that the Rays don't either. The Rays have a very strong pipeline as well, but um, the, the, the Rays predominantly the way they built this thing is by maximizing trade values and making wily trades wherever possible in a weird way. They almost have an advantage over some other small market or mid market teams. And that look, there's no expectation they're going to spend money. Right. So everybody knows a guy reaches arbitration He's gone, and you know they're going to make a move and and bring in the next young kid or what have you. I mean, Tommy Pham was one of their best, if not their best, position players last year on a really good 2019 team. Traded him. He was in arbitration and nine going to make nine million dollars. Like Matt, we can't do that. So that's the way the Rays have this constant turnover, but they they make smart moves, you know. And it, it goes without saying that the Randy Arozarena trade, which wasn't even billed as the Randy Arozarena trade when they made it has worked out pretty wonderfully for them. So it's just a really smart organization. I know it's an off day. How many hits did he get today? <laughs> I think he had two today. It's a, sh- it's a quiet day for Randy. Uh, you know, he's got those uh, power boots he wears, those cowboy boots, and there's a lot of magic in those boots apparently because he's just been the absolute star of this October. Yeah, it's, it's so funny, you know, covering all these different sports all these years, everybody's made excuses to why certain teams and certain markets can't win. And all of a sudden you look up and the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. 
Tom Brady just outdueled Aaron Rodgers, and the Buccaneers are rolling. The Rays are in the World Series. So whether it's Tampa or St. Petersburg, Florida, whatever's happening down there, they are absolutely rolling. And if they end up winning this World Series, what are a lot of teams around baseball? I mean, what excuses can you use to not to not win? I mean, because the whole, the whole uh, payroll and market size is going to get thrown out the window. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is a weird year, so there's no telling, you know, what the Rays would have looked like in 162. And I'm not that they would have been a very good team, and uh, you know, they might have even been a, frick, a frisky uh, AL East pick. But would they have out, you know, outlasted the Yankees in 162? It's hard to say. Um, but it's obviously a, a very well-built team, and you know, they've been in postseason in recent past, and they they pushed the Astros to the brink a year ago. Um, you look over the last few years, they're one of the best teams in the American League. So you're right. There are no excuses. Uh, um, you know, and they don't, again, they've, they've made those trades, like I said, but it's not like they've blown it all up and, and gone through like a major rebuild process in recent history. They haven't done that at all. They've just maintained a, a stable, competitive situation by making the right moves consistently. And there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for not how much you spend, but how well you spend it. And they, they went on signed Charlie Morton for what was to them a, a very big contract, you know? Um, so they, they invested when they could and where they could, but at the end of the day, it, it does come down to good scouting and, and just having a good system in place. You know, when I think about the Dodgers, there's so many great players and what a run they are having won their division eight straight years. It's like the Braves run years ago uh, through the nineties. Yeah. Uh, is this finally going to be the Dodgers time? I think so. I'm, I'm picking them to win the series, and that's no disrespect to the Rays. I just think that uh, you know the Dodgers ha- have they're just more multifaceted. I mean, they can do more offensively, and they have the pitching that can hang with the Rays. And the Rays probably have the deeper pitching staff overall, but uh, I, I don't think they can match what the Dodgers can do offensively, and that's a big deal for me. Um, you know, they've they make you feel good about the shortened season, and that this is probably how it was supposed to look in a full season. The Dodgers were supposed to be this juggernaut and they lived up to it in a 60 game season. And they lived up to it. in you know, despite all the weirdness of this postseason, with, you know, every division winner having been subjected to that best of three. Um, and then Dodgers survived all of that. And they survived a, a really Braves gave them a heck of a fight. I give a lot of credit to the Braves, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the Dodgers talent just won out and I expect it to win out in this world series. You know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you look at this playoffs and, you know, a lot of my, uh, let's say, curmudgeon people around me were like, ah, oh, this is not how baseball should be played. But in the end, Anthony, you got the two number one seeds in the World Series. Yeah. I know. I mean, go figure, right? It hasn't happened since 2013. And, those, and that was the Red Sox and Cardinals. And that's the only two times it's happened this entire century. Um, so, you know, the randomness we expected, you did have, listen, we had upsets and, and whatnot within, uh, this postseason framework, but it is kind of funny that for all that hand wringing about, you know, what would this look like? Here we are, the two number one seeds and, and really, um, it, there is a lot of compelling dynamics to this. I know nationally, like there just won't be the interest in this world series that there would have been if it was Yankees Dodgers. We all know that. Um, but you know, two really well-built teams in terms of the depth of the rosters and like the way that they can, um, you know, maneuver things in the game. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch Dave Roberts and and Kevin Cash, uh, you know, kind of match which in this wits in this series and and how they deploy their bench and their bullpen. I was asked this question yesterday 
And I didn't really have an, I didn't know if I had the right answer or not. But a buddy of mine, as we're watching football, asked me the question, you know, if the Astros would have made the World Series, what would that have been? What, what would have that been like for baseball? You know, I would argue it would be good, honestly, because I think anytime there's a villain, you know, anytime there's that, that kind of a focus, uh, and, and particularly if it had been what it apparently would have been, which is a, you know, a rematch with the Dodgers. I mean, that, that's such a compelling narrative after what went down in 2017. And yeah, they played each other in the regular season. So maybe that takes some of the edge off because we already had the, uh, you know, the Joe Kelly moment. <laughs> we already had that, uh, yeah. gotten that out of the way, but, uh, it's still, that would have been a really compelling, um, you know, I don't want to say good versus evil, but that's basically how it would be painted, you know? So, um, I, I think anytime you have a villain in sports, it, it, it does kind of add to the allure a little bit. And, uh, and then even if you, you know, didn't despise the Astros for the whole cheating scandal, what have you, then you got the Dusty Baker angle, which is kind of interesting in its own right. And there's a guy who's, uh, you know, been trying to get to the mountaintop and had this opportunity to do so this year. So I, I think that would have been pretty compelling too. Well, there's been a lot of talk about Dusty and what a career he's had. I mean, we had uh, in our notes about how Dusty Baker has started more games in left field for the L.A. Dodgers than anybody else. What a player he was in the relationship with Hank Aaron. And then as a manager, he's taken so many different teams to the playoffs, but he's never gotten to the big one. He's never gotten over that hump. Obviously, I really, really close with the San Francisco Giants back in the day. Did he need to win and get to the World Series to really be looked at as a Hall of Fame uh, caliber manager? Where, where, What side of the fence are you with Dusty? I know. I had a friend uh, text me about that uh, just yesterday. And, and yeah, ultimately, I, I just feel like knowing how these things work, I just feel like, yeah, he probably needs that on his ledger to uh, get the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying for me personally. I'm just saying, you know, just the general, uh, you know, how, how the Hall of Fame has operated. And um, you never know. I mean, you get in those committee votes and small committee, and it's all about who was on that committee, you know, and if it's friends of Dusty, you know, maybe um, we saw that with, you know, Harold Baines got in recently because <laughs> the, the particular committee just works in his favor, but, um, it, it does seem like the world series title is a, a pretty important thing to have for a manager. But you know, I would just say that I'd like to see him get in just because I, I think there needs to be a place in the hall of fame for guys like Dusty Baker who give their life to the game and have so much success, you know, regardless of, of whether or not they, they get that, that final win. Um, as you said, he's, he's taken 10 teams to the postseason. Um, and he's had some really dramatic, uh, you know, defeats within that postseason. But I think the, the, the proof is in the longevity and, and the ability to consistently get there with different franchises and, and different, you know, concoctions of teams, whether they were you know, younger teams or older teams or what have you. He, he's shown the ability to manage all different kinds of players and, and to get the best out of them. And um, I, I don't think there's a thing he did wrong in that league championship series. It's just ultimately the Rays just had, you know, better pitching depth. But. Uh, you know, Dusty made a lot of good moves, I thought, in that series to get the most out of a predominantly young uh, pitching staff that had been battered by injury this year. Well, later on this evening in Houston, a friend of ours, Vanessa Richardson, she's a sports reporter and anchor there in Houston. She's got a half-hour sit-down with Jeffrey Lunau. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you expect to, to hear from this? What, what do you think he's going to say? I don't know. I'll be curious. I think a lot of people are curious. Um, you know, it's look, the, the Astros dynamic has been overblown in some respects that they were not the only ones, you know, relaying signs through technological means. It's just, they're not, 
Um, but they were probably the most egregious offenders, and there were certainly a lot of whispers about the Astros, uh, and, and certainly there in Oakland, you know, prior to Mike Fires going public with this. So, um, you know, he definitely knew what was going on, you know. So I don't particularly care what he has to say in regards to what other teams are doing and that sort of thing because, you know, everybody was warned about this and their tactics, as I said, were, were pretty egregious. But, um, you know, he's uh, – they came down hard on that front office culture uh, as much as anything. You know, it wasn't just about that they were cheating. It was also about the, the kind of organization he ran there. And, you know, they were not thought of favorably within the industry in terms of how they dealt with other teams and, and how they dealt with things internally. And a lot of that came to a head uh, last fall because it wasn't just the cheating scandal. It was what happened in October as well, um, you know, with the unfortunate incident when they when they clinched the LCS. So, um, you know, as I said, a lot of things came to a head and uh, it will be interesting to see what he has to say about all that. All right, let's end on this. The book is A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics. When looking at this World Series, give me one analytic you'll really be looking at from a pitching standpoint and one analytic you'll really be looking at from an offensive standpoint. Well, sure. I mean, you get to this stage and, and you kind of start to throw the numbers out the window. It's all about you know the present moment. Um, but you know, anytime you can relate things to, as I said, the league average with like a weighted runs created plus for offense or you know, ERA plus for, for pitching, you know, that's important. But, you know, again, we get to this stage, honestly, the, the dynamic I'm just interested in right now is the value of, of those off days that we didn't have uh, in the division series and league championship series rounds, because it really became fascinating to see how, how teams use their bullpens, knowing, um, you know, to use a guy three days in a row can get pretty precarious and, and law of diminishing returns. Well, now we return to the more traditional setup with the, uh, you know, the off days uh, in between. So I, I, to me, you know, I'm not, I hate to miss an opportunity to promote my book again, but to me, that's the most interesting thing about this now is you have um, a raised bullpen that is, you know, very deep and has the ability to get rest now. And maybe that will be a difference maker. As I said, I ultimately think the Dodgers uh, have the superior offense and that will shine through, but um, you know, here's an opportunity for the Rays to really maximize their strength, which is in the back of the, the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, I'm just bummed we don't have baseball tonight. I'm used to having a game every single night. What are you, days off? What the heck's going on around here? Well, two game sevens. You know, I think we all need to collectively catch our breath for a night and then uh, you know get right back at it tomorrow. Hey, great stuff as always. We'll talk soon, and best of luck. Be safe. All right. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's a good book. No doubt about it. And, uh... He, he he hit the nail on the head, and I think we've kind of addressed that with talking about the Astros is whether he's going to deny everything, which it sounds like he is. Major League Baseball was not happy with the culture, just not the cheating. It was the way the organization was run. Did you hear that? They didn't like how they dealt with other teams. When they when they did this investigation on this Astros, on this front office, they came away with not thinking they were very professional. The way they treated their own employees, the way they treated other teams. So he can come out and deny and deny and deny and deny. He's not getting his job back. He's suspended. And I don't know who's going to hire him. And I bet baseball is not going to lie. I'm just going to spitball here. 
But I got a feeling they're in Manhattan at the commissioner's office. They're not going to be happy with a deny, 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 and no accountability. They're not going to like that. And he's going to take shots at their investigation. I got to be honest, I had no idea we were going to talk about this today. Is it even on our rundown? No, because it came out like while we were doing, I think I saw it whenever we uh, we were talking, right before we talked to Anthony Castro Vince or even like a couple of minutes before that. Uh, I just remember popping up on my Twitter feed on my tweet deck that Vanessa Richardson down there in Houston was going to have a sit down with Jeffrey Lunau. So I was just curious to see how it would go and. Uh, I, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna lock in, as Steph Curry would say. I'm gonna lock in later and watch this and see what we can take from it. 37 minutes. I mean, that's it's kind of long. You know, millennial attention span. I don't know if I can sit there and watch that that long. But I'll tune in for it, and I'm sure we'll compare notes and talk about it. But I I want to see what he has to say because we heard AJ Hinn speak last. I keep saying last year because it feels like it was a year ago. But now we're gonna see Jeffrey Luno speak. So. I'm with you. I think after reading some of the the passage that they put up on the the TV website in Houston, it sounds like he's going to try to plead his innocence on this one. You're you're the head, as you mentioned, you're the head guy. You're the watch commander on this, and you know all about it. And yeah, maybe you maybe you knew about the code breaker, and you're going to say you didn't know about the trash can banging. But I think everyone knew about the trash can banging. Even AJ Hinch tried to deny that, but he, you know, there was a port there was a part in there where they said how he destroyed the monitors and stuff. So like he actually like at least made a. He took steps to try to shut it down, it seems like, where there's, you know, we'll see what uh, Luno has to say. And you're, you talk about the culture, remember, in the, the piece that uh, Evan Trellick wrote for The Athletic, it was people saying, that's so Astros, and the, and the culture there is toxic. So, yeah, they clearly didn't like the way that Luno was and his uh, front office were running things and treating their employees and other teams. And, like, other teams didn't really even want to trade with the Astros, it seems. It seems like the only team they ever really traded with I can remember a big trade was, yeah, they pulled off the trade for Granke and Verlander, and and they got Garrett Cole from the Pirates. But, I mean, other than that, I didn't, I mean, you didn't see the Astros pull off a lot of big trades other than that. So, I guess that just shows you maybe what the industry thought of what how he was running things in Houston. Can I tell you a source told me down at spring training, a very good source and friend of the program, told me A.J. Hinch was lying. Like, he did not try and shut it down. He knew all about it. He knew everything about it and was okay with it. My source told me he was lying. So, if A.J. Hinch was lying, how much is Lunau going to be lying? But it goes back to either way you look at it, you were either all about it and guilty, or you didn't know about it and you're the head guy and you don't know about the worst cheating scandal that baseball's ever seen, now you're just clueless. So either way you slice it, you're a bad dude. You're either a bad dude because you condoned it or you're a bad dude because you didn't know about it and you're an idiot. So you you don't walk away going, wow, this guy got railroaded. No one's going to feel that way. And unfortunately, Tim Kirchin's coming up next. I didn't get a chance to talk about it with Tim because we didn't know about it until after we taped Tim. I am going to ask him about Billy Bean. 
we don't. I mean, as of right now, we don't. We we don't know much. But if Billy Bean is going to leave the A's, what's his legacy? You know, Tim Kirchin is a historian. Not only is he a broadcaster and writer for ESPN, but he also is a historian and knows the game, knows the game real well, and knows the history of the game. So we'll break down the World Series. I didn't ask about the Astros, right? No, I don't think so. I think that I think yeah. I saw that after we talked with him. I do understand if they made the World Series, it would have been compelling from a standpoint of you need evil, right? You got to have the bad guy. You got to have the villain. But I just think long term that would have, you know, I don't think it would have been good. I mean, you're, 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 the bad guy's getting rewarded. And that wouldn't have been good. And hopefully next year, we got fans in the stands. Because I, I, I think what, once Ace fans see Altuve, once they see Bregman, once they see Correa, I think Ace fans are going to go nuts. I don't know where they go because the, the first game of the year is at Oakland against the Astros. So opening day usually is packed. And I got a feeling everybody's going to be bringing it on that day. And I know Ace Cast Live, we're going to be talking about it. I can't wait. Doing the show from the field, opening day, Astros A's. Think about how close fans are in the diamond level section. Think about how close they are. Think about over the first base dugout how close the fans are. They're going to be all over these guys. I cannot wait. Coming up next, Tim Kirchin from ESPN right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, I haven't even asked you, Cody. Who are you going with? Not who you hope. Who are you going with? Oh, who, about who's going to win the World Series? If you had to, if you had to lay that big bank account down, what would you, uh, what would you put it on? If I had to bet my parents' house back in Pennsylvania, I'm, 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 this is going to be a shocker, but I'm taking the Rays. Not that's why I think it's going to win, and who I want to win. I think really? there's you bet your arm on the Rays, huh? Yeah. Well, my my parents' house isn't really worth that much, so they'll be okay. It's going to be. Can they limit the firepower? You know, it's it's the race to 27 outs. The Rays are going to do a lot of uh, bullpen guys at you to get to those 27 outs. I high scoring games. I don't think favor the Rays. I mean, if the Dodgers really get it going and they start scoring runs in bunches and start hitting the ball out of the ballpark, because they, they what? They had the most home runs during the regular season. They have the most home runs in the postseason. If you, if you can't keep them in the yard and they get it going, I think the Rays are in trouble. I'm with you, especially with their pitch. Like, their pitching, if you can get – Good starts out of Glass, Glass now, Snell, and Morton. Here, while you're 
three major starters. But what, what do you consider a good start for them? Let's see. Snell went four last time. That's I would like to see five, but with that with that bullpen, they have enough in there to get five innings of work out of their bullpen. And it's probably going to be Nick Anderson coming in earlier than normal, and Peter Fairbanks come in to close out the game. But they got Jose Alvarado back, who's going to be a big key for them against Bellinger, because Bellinger, you know, with the left-handed power the the Dodgers have with Bellinger, it's just a, the guy I'm concerned about because he didn't really hit that much in the NLCS, but he. Had a he made his impact felt on the defensive side was Mookie Betts. Then you have the NLCS MVP Corey Seager who hit five home runs in the NLCS. So I th- I think the Rays have enough to match up with them, but I'm I do agree with you that the high scoring games do not favor the Rays. Uh, but we will maybe we'll get to see Randy Rosarena break a Derek Jeter record. That's what I want to see more than anything. Ooh, hot take Monday. All right, earlier today we caught up with, you know, one of the greats. I mean, this guy has been doing it for a long, long time. He's a terrific journalist. You see him on ESPN, writes for ESPN.com. Here's Tim Kirchin. You know, whenever I'm listening to Buster Olney's podcast, Baseball Tonight, and they bring on Tim Kirchin, he has a saying, is this a great game or what? I mean, I can't tell, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed the playoffs. How about you? They've been great. And I'm so happy for baseball because things look so dark and gloomy three, four months ago. We weren't even sure if we were going to play. And not only did baseball get through the regular season, we're going to get through the World Series. And those two Game 7s were spectacular. The two LCSs were tremendous. The play in this postseason has been riveting. I've been spellbound watching this stuff. And that's without fans in the stands and with everything else that's gone wrong this year, just another reminder how great October baseball is. You know, we had the commissioner on, Rob Manfred, during the playoffs when the A's were still in it. And whether it's Dave Cavill, our president, or David Forrester, our GM, I've said to all of them, you know, the job that you guys did, the fact that you were flexible, and you're right, when the Marlins got it, and then it was the Cardinals, the A's, we even had a positive test. It was really scary, and we were like, are we really going to be able to get through this? The fact that baseball is able to get through this and have the World Series, they meet, they need to be committed on what a great job. And, and the fact that baseball normally isn't flexible, the fact that they were flexible with this thing and they got it done. Yeah, and a lot of credit is deserved for this all the way around from the commissioner on down. But the players were so disciplined, keeping to the health and safety protocols, as was everyone else around all of these teams, because if they hadn't been diligent, we would have never finished the regular season. And without finishing the regular season, we would have never gotten to this point, and we would have missed all this great baseball in October. So let's just hope this good feeling and this great October leads us into the offseason and hopefully it won't be as bad as some people think it'll be because the games in October have been great. Okay, before we get to the World Series, I was just thinking about today. I've been so excited that we've had baseball every single day. I understand having a day off for travel and television and all that, but it was like weird waking up today going, God, we're not going to have a baseball game. I think the thing that I think I've enjoyed the most is the fact that we have games every single day. And most days we have multiple games. Yeah. And one day we had eight games. I mean, it, it has been a baseball fan's absolute dream is to have this many games. And 
I, I know the off days are important to keep people healthy and keep rotations together, and it makes for a better game if you get an off day once in a while. But part of me just wants them to play seven straight games because that's <laughs> how baseball is played. It's best played when it's played every day. So uh, I understand everything, and I'm going to enjoy it no matter what because, again, baseball in October is so good. You just want more and more games, not fewer games. I, I got to tell you, Tim, I've heard, you know, be, being in this business a long time and covering uh, the four major sports, I've heard a lot of excuses over the years about market size. Well, right now we're looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers yesterday just beat the Packers. You know, if the Rays end up winning the World Series with the 28th payroll, there's not going to be a lot of people around the game, do you think, can make excuses anymore about market size and payroll? Absolutely. That's why I think the Rays are good for baseball. The Rays are showing you if you draft and develop properly, you can really bring players along. If your system is such that you can find guys in the rough somewhere and then polish them and make them better, they can become really good major league players. And that's what's happened in so many ways. But most important, the Rays are showing you that you don't have to have the best players on a certain roster as long as the team plays the game the right way. And I don't care how corny that sounds. That's exactly what's happening here. They play the game better than anyone else. They put the they strike out a lot, but they, they play great defense. They keep the double play in order. They don't make mistakes on the bases. And their manager, Kevin Cash, just has these guys thinking, we're all together in this. Everyone on that team plays. Everyone on that team is important. Other teams have five-star players and nobody else. The Rays have 28 players, all of whom can help. They had 12 guys save a game this year in the regular season. That's an unbelievable number for... 60 games, historically large, and that just shows you Kevin Cash has total faith in everyone on his roster. And then on the flip side, is this finally the Dodgers' time? Is this when Clayton Kershaw can really submit his legacy? You think about Dave Roberts. You think about all these players. You know, bringing bring along Mookie Betts, and my God, his defense in right field has just been spectacular. Could this finally, Tim, be the Dodgers' time and finally get a World Series for the first time since 1988? Well, this is baseball, so there are no guarantees to anything, but this is the best Dodger team I know that I've seen, and I've been covering for 41 years. They are loaded offensively. They led the major leagues in home runs and led the major leagues in ERA. The last team to do that was the 1944 Cardinals. It's hard to do. Plus, their bullpen was great the last three games. Their defense is way above average, and they have a gigantic chip on their shoulder because they haven't won since 1988. That was their 10th 3-1 deficit that they faced as an organization, as a franchise, and that's the first time they've ever come back from 3-1 to win. So maybe they have tremendous momentum but anyone who's going to discount the Rays at this point just hasn't been watching them play this year or the last three years I think the Dodgers are going to win in seven games but with this crazy postseason who knows yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be fabulous and, and I really love the way we have seen managers I know we love star players and we love Randy Johnson coming out of the bullpen and we love Madison Bumgarner doing that. But I, I, I've really enjoyed, and you've kind of touched on it already, 
the fact that, and speak to this, Tim, the fact that you're really having to utilize your entire roster to get it done. Right. And I love what Kevin Cash, I mean, I love what Dave Roberts did yesterday where he said Julio Urias has, is thrown really well. He's given up one run in 16 innings in this postseason. So we left him in instead of bringing his closer in. And Kenley Jansen, who struggled, has been really good the last few times out. But this, this is very encouraging to me that we're actually watching the games. We're keeping the human element involved. And all Dave Roberts had to do was look at this young guy and said, he's our best option here in the ninth inning. Even with just a one-run lead, that kid pitched great. But again, in this crazy season where it's been so difficult to get your arms around it, this is the best way to play this year. Use as many guys as you can. Keep them as fresh as possible because of so many games compacted into such a short amount of time. You know, from the A's perspective, Tim, there's the rumors that Billy Bean could be leaving the organization. If Billy Bean leaves baseball, what do you think his legacy is as a baseball man? Well, he's one of the best executives, one of the best general managers of all time. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and I think he should be. He's done so much. He's been so creative, so resourceful, that he's helped people look at the game in a completely different way. So even though he hasn't won a World Series, he is a great general manager. He's brought along a great staff with him. So even if he does leave, and I'm not sure he is, uh, the A's will be in good hands. But I think it's difficult to argue if someone were to say Billy Bean is a Hall of Fame executive, I would say yes. And his imprint on the game is undeniable and it's going to last for a long time. Yeah, you're kind of a big deal when Brad Pitt plays you in a movie, right? <laughs> yeah. I watched that again the other day. I was just flipping channels. It was, it was really good. And Billy's really good, too. And if he does leave, the baseball will be worse without him, believe me. When you look at a lot of the changes, and I think we've all enjoyed so much baseball, and, and I know a lot of people are like, ah, oh, when you have this many teams, you know, you could have an under 500 team be in the World Series. Well, we're getting the number one seed against the number one seed. But all the changes this year with the extra innings rule and the three uh, batter minimum and all that, what do you like, what would you keep, and what would you get rid of? Well, I liked everything for this year because it was such a bizarre season. But I would get rid of everything next year, everything except for the DH. I would keep the DH in both leagues, although I would tell you I would let the pitchers bat in both leagues. I don't care. I just want the same set of rules in each league. And just being practical, the union is not going to give up a DH job. And it does keep guys healthier. It does keep pitchers healthier, in theory. And it takes a great player. You can get him off his feet for nine innings and let him take four at bat. So I think that's it. The other ones I can do without. Sorry, seven innings is not the way the game was drawn up 150 years ago. We should play nine no matter what. I don't like the runner on second base rule for next year. Uh, I, I don't like any of the rules for next year. But I love them all for this year because, again, this year was different. It was necessary. Tim, you're the best. Enjoy the World Series, and we'll talk to you in the offseason. Off be well and be safe. Okay. Thanks so much, Chris. See you. And hangs up. I got Kirchin again. He's the best at it.
there's no one better at him than when you're trying to say after you're done taping an interview, say, hey, Tim, thanks. But before you can even say, hey, he's already gone. He's gone on to the next thing. But uh, what he said about Billy is really interesting. I mean, Richard Justice kind of said the same thing to us before. And so did Ted Leitner, the voice of, well, not your Padres, but the Padres, uh, saying that they all believe that Billy's going to be a Hall of Famer once, you know, he steps away from baseball or just eventually outliving the the position of being in so long, he'll eventually be a Hall of Famer. I agree. I think he will be. He changed the game, the way people look at it with Moneyball and analytics and sabermetrics. It was sabermetrics, not analytics back then. That, that term wasn't thrown around as much, I don't think. But the way they changed the game with Moneyball back in the early 2000s and where it's evolved to now, I don't see how you can't have him in the Hall of Fame. You know, it just it, it becomes a reality that, you know, after you do something for so long that, you know, some people need a change. I mean, take me personally. I was in talk radio forever. Finally, it's like, you know, I want to do something different. I mean, after a while, you get tired of, did Sunday's game submit that Jimmy G's your starter? You know? Is Steph and Clay the best backcourt of all time? I mean, Will Buster Posey be back next year? Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? You know, you just get tired of it. And that's why it was a great opportunity for me to leave that and come here and work for the A's and basically do a show that I want to do. Talk about what I want to talk about. And hopefully entertain you guys. And we're back to our off-season schedule, so we'll be on Mondays and Thursdays from 1 to 4. So I can totally see where Billy and, – and, you know, I've talked to Billy about this a long time ago. I mean, there's always been other stuff that he has interest in. And if a great opportunity comes along, yeah. And probably a very lucrative one, too. You seize that moment. But I think what, what Tim was saying, which is so right, is that the blueprint is here. There's a reason why they didn't want David Force to leave. I'm sure there's been plenty of teams that have called to say they want to talk to David. And that's why Billy Bean got elevated to VP of baseball operations, and they made David the general manager. They did not want to lose him because Billy Bean knew at some point he's going to go on to different stuff. So he's leaving all these people. If it, if that is the case, we don't know. But everything's intact. The blueprint on how to win, the blueprint how to run the organization is already there. David's been doing this forever. So I I, I you know, we'll see what we'll see what goes down. The A's are going to be fine. The A's will be fine. And this offseason, you know, how do you build and how do you – because will there be – there's going to be movement with all 30 teams. I mean, I don't know of any team that basically stays the same from one year to another. How are they going to add? Who are they going to add? Who are they going to lose? 
How do you replace that? The core is there. You know, Matt Chapman will come back. And you have this core that won 97 games two straight years, and then in this shortened season, they won the division. You keep this train running. Because I got a, I, 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 I got, I got a feeling next year, Houston's going to have a really tough time. Because we've got to believe that there's going to be people in the ballpark. I know here in Northern California, we're probably freaked out more than anybody. I mean, it's scary. You're in a pandemic. And we've been in lockdown for so long. Like, I went to a restaurant, took the family out to a restaurant on Saturday. Willow Street Pizza over by my house in Willow Glen. And we sat out on the patio, but there was some people in the restaurant. And I, like, went in and looked through the window, almost kind of like being at the zoo going, wow, there's people in there. But we've had people in San Diego at our family restaurant for over a month. You know, you're, you're, you watch television, they got fans in Texas. They got fans college football. They got fans NFL. Like, we're like the last of the Mohicans. Isn't that crazy, Cody, when you, like, turn on the television and you see, like, people at these football games? And we're, we're still like, oh, my God, can I even go out of the house? The NFL is – I think the NFL is – well, besides the Titans and the Patriots, I think the NFL with the fans are handling it the right way with the social distancing. College football, I mean, it just seems like it's just a party every weekend. You saw what happened with Alabama or Saban had it, then he didn't have COVID, and he coached over the weekend, and they beat Georgia. And, it, you know, the, the storylines and, – and then I like seeing the fans of the World Series, and I'm glad to see we're getting a little bit of normalcy. It's showing a sign of normalcy with people being in the ballpark. I don't think we're going to see full capacity even next year in baseball. I think it'll be scaled back. I think even the KBO, the Korean Baseball League, is. Um, I think they're doing. They're going to start having like fifty percent of the fans for the playoffs on those start. So it'll be interesting. We'll have to catch up with they're our. Not done yet? Not yet. Not that I. I don't think the playoffs have started yet. I think we'll have to. We'll have to catch up with our friend uh, Daniel Kim from over there. We'll have to talk to him. You know, we'll talk to him in the future because remember he's uh, sixteen hours ahead and see how they're doing. Apparently, Dan Straley's closing in on a. Uh, a historic year with them. I think he's gonna, could be one of like four guys in the lot of Giants history to have 200 strikeouts. So good for him. Good to see it's, he's having a nice year over there. And you mentioned the Astros and how things are going to be next year for them. Take apart just the fans. George Springer's a free agent. Michael Brantley's a free agent. Josh Reddick's a free agent. Their entire outfield besides Kyle Tucker is a free agent. You have to make the choice. Who do you keep, Brantley or Springer? Are you going to be able, can you afford to bring both of them back? Do you bring either of them back? Like, what do you do? So the Astros are going to look very different next year. No, remember, they probably won't have Ver, they're not going to have Verlander for most of the year either if the season starts not, on time. No, he's not, he's not pitching. Yeah, so he's gone. Uh, Brad Peacock's yeah, a free not. agent. So, I mean, yeah, they got a lot of good young starters that came up he's this year. They're not pitching. I mean, if you look when they got their Tommy John surgery, they're not going to rush a 37 year old Justin Verlander back. It's 14 months. I mean, 12 months at the at the very best, but they're trying to they they they've been trying to push past twelve months for most guys now. That means he's not playing. Uh, would you want to just get out of there? 
I, w- I want you to think about this. Now, I know from a, from a tax benefit playing in Houston and in Texas, but if you're somebody like Springer or Brantley who are going to be coveted, and, and Reddick, Reddick's a fine player. People are going to want Reddick. Would you just want to get out of there? Just avoid this mess? Just avoid all the bad, negative vibes? Like, you lucked out this year that there weren't fans. You lucked out. But at some point, there's going to be fans next year. You want to go through that? Or would you rather just say, you know what, Houston, thanks for everything. Uh, I'm out of here. And just go get a fresh start somewhere else. That's an interesting question, don't you think? Yeah, and I think I think for someone like Springer, he's been there. He was drafted by Jeffrey Luno. He was there with the Astros. He, he came up when they were terrible. Um, he was on that 2017 team. I think it's a tougher decision for him than it would be for, like, Brantley and Josh Reddick. So I think Springer has more to consider. He's 31 now, but he's also probably the biggest name on the free agent market this upcoming offseason, depending on how this offseason even looks. I think he will ultimately – I think he moves on. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I have no inside information on this. I just feel like Springer moves on because he might get offered more money somewhere else. And he's been one of – you know, historically, he's been one of the greatest postseason hitters that we've seen. Uh, what, he has 19 career postseason home runs. Only, like, three – I think three other guys have more than him. It, he's he's a guy, I think, that has to have a lot to consider. But the, the next year with potential fans being back and – him being a part of all this stuff, I think he has a lot to think about more so than Reddick or Brantley or even Brad Peacock, who's their other free agent. Uh, it's also funny. They have uh, Dusty Baker listed as a free agent, but they picked up his option already, so he'll be back ne- next year. But I think Springer has a lot. I think he's gone. But, I, again, I, the Astros might lure him back because he has a lot of ties to them. He was drafted. He was a homegrown player for them, and he's beloved in that city. So, he has a lot to worry about, and I think that if when it comes on that he's gone, and it's going to be hard to replace him with whoever they try to replace him with. But for the guys like Altuve and them, they're going to go through all of this next year. And with uh, with Altuve not being able to throw the baseball, like we saw in the uh, ALCS, it's going to be uh, he's going to get ridiculed a lot by fans next year, not only for the cheating, but also for not being able to throw the baseball from second base. I just, I just, if it was me. And, you know, there was talk about Springer opting out of this thing because of how they did him for service time. But, you know, and once he got his service time at the beginning of the year, then opt out. But I don't know if I'm George Springer, I, I, I think I want to get away from this. If I'm Michael Brantley and I wasn't even a part of it. Well, I, I think they were still doing it in 18 and 19. But if I, I'm Brantley, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. This is going to be a – they have to know that at some point they got to pay the piper. And do you want to be a part of that? Getting screamed at everywhere you go? You really want it? You really want that? Or you want a fresh start somewhere else? You're going to get paid either way. So the money's really not the thing. It's how much abuse do you want to take? If it was me, I would say fresh start. Get me out of here. 
I'm curious to see what team would – I mean, Springer would fit a lot of teams. I think we already know that. And I'm with you. Like I said, I think he's gone too. I'm trying to think, like, who would be the best team to sign him? For some reason, I keep thinking of the Cubs, but who knows what the Cubs are going to do. They're a mess with everything they're trying to figure out. But I think I think Springer's gone, and then you still have Bregman and Altuve and Correa left. But Correa's a free agent after next year, so essentially you have just Bregman and Altuve. But they're going to have to wear it all year. And Verlander's not going to hear anything because he's out for the whole year. But remember, he is Mr. Righteous about everything, but then when they, but when the Astros were accused of cheating, he had nothing to say about it, even though he came in late. You know, he came in, what, at the end of August of that year, but he was still part of the team that won the World Series. It's going to be baseball's going to be different next year. I mean, we know that for sure, but it's going to be really different for the way the Astros handled the year. And it's all ties back to I want to we are very excited to see what Jeffrey Luno has to say tonight on that sit down. So, I think a lot of that's going to be a lot of telling stuff because then you're going to maybe have players or, you know, personnel come out and speak uh, against Luno. So, there's going to be more coming out of this about the Astros, I feel, after Luno sits down with the, to do this interview. Angels still don't have pitching. Fact. Seattle really is in a rebuild. Rangers stink. I mean, this is the A's division for the next couple of years. I mean, that's why, you know, I've loved saying bring Trevor Bauer. If it's for one year, that's fine. You know, add. You can add some pieces. I mean, do you keep Simeon? Do you keep LaStella? Well, yeah. add, one, add, add, add some type of starting pitcher to get you deeper there. I mean, you really, you really have the opportunity to be the top dog in the West for the next few years. There's no question. Coming up next, he's one of our favorites. Himbo from ESPN will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Oh, there he is, the pride of now New Jersey, Himbo. I get to claim the whole state now after being a resident for two and a half months. Is that what we're saying? How is the new pad? Oh, d- delightful. Uh, we are at a point now where we're buying some window fixtures, as you can see behind me. My wife is very proud of these. Um, our baseboards are now covered. We still have some, you know, some pretty janky looking outlets and light switches and whatnot. But we're, you know, one step at a time, uh, mostly because of the bank account. Okay, so um, I understand the World Series is a big deal. I understand the NLCS, ALCS were a lot of fun. Yeah. But more importantly, how's your Traeger and how are the ribs that you do? I'm glad that you asked. Okay, this, this is obviously what your listeners were hoping to hear first, not my world series statistics so on saturday i smoked about a dozen wings and they turned out outstanding i definitely cooked them uh to a to a warmer temperature than they suggested but i do like the wings a little crispier and i didn't lose the moisture so that was a big win on sunday i did your world famous three two one baby back rib recipe and i have to admit i came away a tad bit disappointed in myself and the reason for it is because i definitely overcooked those bad boys by 15 or 20 minutes. The dark meat was phenomenal, but the lighter stuff definitely overcooked a little on the dry side. And, you know, obviously that's like, that's, that's a user error. Uh, I can't, I can't blame that on my beautiful machine out there. 
Well, I, I just, you know, it, it takes time. You'll end up mastering it. You'll come up with your own techniques. I did yesterday for the family in the Traeger. I did crab cakes. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. <laughs> Money in the bank. Well, already Vegas is saying the Dodgers are the favorite. Are you buying it? The Dodgers should be the favorite. Not only are the Dodgers collectively top to bottom, the better roster, but the Dodgers are, are entering the World Series with a good bit of momentum. And I do think that makes some bit of difference to the odds makers. The fact that the Dodgers come in on a three-game win streak, whereas the Rays almost buckled up that series against Houston, which just wouldn't go away. So entering the season, this is what we thought would happen. We thought the, the Dodgers would run away with the National League. They got there, but certainly wasn't a runaway series. But that team really showed a, a level of resilience that they have not in postseasons past. And that was a team that was able to <laughs> rise above Clayton Kershaw's bad adding again, which they've not been able to do in postseasons past. I think, the, I, I think that line is about right. When I think about this series, and who knows, could be absolutely crazy. But if there's going to be a lot of runs scored, I think that's bad news for the Rays. I think that's when the Dodgers... You know, if, if, if that machine gets going, because that lineup, that's a long lineup right there. And if they all kind of get going at the same time, they're going to be very tough to beat. I agree with that. We had Jess Mendoza on our show this morning, and she put it in a way that I think I really like, which is to say the Rays can beat you and primarily do so with the long ball. And obviously they're very proficient at that. More than two-thirds of their runs this postseason have come via the home run. Um, but – what we also know about the Dodgers is that they don't require that. The Dodgers can beat you two ways on offense. So in 12 postseason games, the Dodgers have 37 RBI without the benefit of the homer. The Rays have only 15 in 14 games. Like that's how dependent they are. So if the Dodgers are able to even suppress fly balls to an extent, if their pitching staff can suppress fly balls to a small extent, I, I think that gives the, them a big time, a major leg up on the Rays, who have proven to be somewhat one-dimensional. This is, this is a number I think you'll really like in, in, in that regard. Obviously, Randy Rosarena is on a fast track to being a first ballot Hall of Famer. That goes without saying. But in, the seven game, in that seven-game series, all players not named Randy Rosarena batted 183. All Rays aside from him went 35 for 191. This is a team that got, got, reached the World Series doing that. Uh, it, it's look sometimes the math doesn't have to add up but the Rays seem to get the most out of that roster but that kid's uh that kid's coming coming out part of this postseason postseason has been something to behold could be the greatest player of all time potentially I think I don't think it's too soon to have that conversation I don't like this is a LeBron Michael Jordan uh discussion I think Randy Rosarena becomes going to be the third third face on that Mount Rushmore you you, you know he, he he's already had two hits today the kid <laughs> you can't get him out on an off day the kids, he, he is he is unbelievable. And and what I love so much about him is that swing plane is so long. Like, he obviously has a good bit of jolt in his bat. The bat speed's there. But he had such a simple swing that stays so level. But he also creates that launch angle that, that you know, obviously the ball was flying out there in, in San Diego, as you guys saw. But, I mean, that, kid, that that's the one guy that you, you don't want to pitch to. But aside from that, it's been a little Manny Margot, a little Mike Zunino. Like, I, I heard a good, a good analogy today to describe the Rays, and I think it makes a good bit of sense. It's... The Rays are like that sort of master chess player that like beats you in the margins in five or six different ways. But when you add it up at the end of the game, you have no pieces left and they have all their pieces left. Whereas the, the Dodgers just take their form and swipe across the whole board and, and the pieces end up everywhere, right? Because they have all the best people. Like Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw this year earned nearly as much as the entire Rays payroll. So that's, that's what we're dealing with here. But I mean, the, the Rays, they play their chess really well. And obviously Kevin Cash is the one that makes all those moves.
what advantages do you see in the Rays? Um, I think the the biggest advantage uh, as it relates to the Rays' offense is against velocity. I, I talk about this a lot, and I, I sometimes I feel like I do it too much. But what I've learned in, in looking back in, in postseasons past, teams that can handle velocity and do so throughout the regular season and playoffs, it is somewhat predictive because all these all these stats are just blowing smoke out of the pen. So on pitches thrown 96 plus this postseason, Tampa has nine homers and a 6.46 slugging. The Dodgers a 3.22 slugging. One homer, and that was the Kike Hernandez home run last night. So we're talking about a major difference there in, in, in how you can handle that pre- premium velocity. A lot of those guys that the Dodgers bring out of their bullpen are sort of sinker ball specialists. So my guess is that they're a lot of their, their starters are forcing guys, and their bullpen, at least throughout the regular season, were sinker ballers, which is sort of an interesting way to build a build a bullpen. But that to me is a, is a massive difference in this series. With these both of these teams blowing cheese, if the Rays pitchers can consistently live above the barrel. That that'll that'll definitely play for them. And these Rays got this this Rays lineup collectively. They don't get beat with with velocity the way that a lot of teams do these days. It's a lot of live bats in that lineup. In your illustrious career, what was the fastest fastball you had to face? Uh, I think ninety seven would be the fastest I ever faced. Obviously, I'm not not uh, ticking triple digits like like you tossed. Um, but my my very last collegiate at bat, I was struck out by. Yankees current, current Yankees reliever Ben Heller, ninety-seven on the black, ninety-seven off the black. To be frank, I look back. I look back at the. Um, it was my last at bat. I knew it. we were down by a bunch of runs in the last inning. This, this guy was giving me a hard time. I look back at the SID, and he gives me one of these deals. Like that. That was six inches off the plate. So that's how I had to walk off. I wanted to toss my bat into the stands, but obviously that wouldn't have gone gone too gone on, uh, you know too well too over well. But that's. 97 I didn't hit 97 that's the kind of guy like you hope you, you hope he's sort of off with it with the cheese and you just sit on the spin at like 88 which is still which is still cheese for me I got hit he threw about 94 95 by current San Francisco 49er general manager John Lynch <laughs> you know everybody remembers John Lynch as the football player John Lynch is the very first ever Florida Marlin to throw a baseball Remember, we, yeah, remember we, the minor league started before the big, so he was I mean, the first yeah. guy ever to throw a pitch. He drilled me in the back. I had this bruise for like two weeks. <laughs> you like could talk trash to him because the guy's a monster, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that we don't talk about John Lynch's baseball career enough, especially as it relates to facing you. Uh, build, build, building, uh, Super Bowl teams uh, that pales in comparison to his illustrious uh, baseball career. There's Ben Heller. Ben Heller had a couple uh, of my teammates in that game, and those guys went down. Like that was. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about like B, he was doing BBs, and we were us us Cedarville Yellow Jackets weren't prepared for that NAIA smoke. I can tell you that. Yeah, people. I was actually listening to uh, MLB Radio on XM yesterday, and Steve Sachs was talking about, you know, there was Nolan Ryan and there were certain guys, but they weren't facing every guy back then coming out of the bullpen throwing 98 to 100. I mean, that just wasn't the average velocity. It's crazy. If Dustin May was was born in 1940, he would be the greatest pitcher of all time by a considerable margin. Like, like imagine like him throwing from the from the 15-inch mound. Like, Dustin May, Dustin May would have – Dustin May would have – destroy Bob Gibson in 1968. Like he would have won the Cy Young unanimously despite Gibby's one, one, two. Like that's Dustin May would be the greatest pitcher that ever lived. If he was born, you know, 50 years before I'm confident in saying that. And I read a good article today from baseball prospectus that just shows this sort of uptick in average fastball velocity in each of the last 10 postseasons. Like this keeps, this is the game we live in now. So that's why I feel like 
studying how these teams perform against velocity is so important because obviously you're going to see a lot of swing and miss, but what kind of damage do you do against it? I think it's very predictive. Well, obviously the balls are juice because (laughs) (laughs) Dodger Stadium is traditionally a pitcher's park, Petco a pitcher's park, but now you're going to go to Arlington. And this has played a little bit bigger. We saw that when the A's played the Rangers. Um, so I don't know if we're going to have home run derby like we had at Dodger Stadium or at times at Petco. But but if there are a lot of home runs, who do you think? you think it's Dodgers or it's Rays or both? I don't think the Dodgers want to play home run derby with the Rays. I, the, the, the Dodgers um, in, the, in the division series are hardly home run at all. So – that I, if if they find themselves in a position where 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 that's if that's the game we're playing, uh, that's that's the Rays that's the Rays game like that's the shootout that the Rays want. They want they want home runs, they want strikeouts, and that's their specialty. The Rays make no bones about it. This is I think this is a pretty good note to to illustrate their propensity to sell out. So during the postseason this year, I looked at all uh, pitches outside the zone, but that, but pitches that were competitive also, right? So pitches that you'd have to be a, have a shrewd eye to lay off. The Rays have swung and missed through 119 of those. Dodgers have swung and missed against 59 of those. There's that big a difference between how that team handles the fringes of the strike zone. The Rays are more than happy to sell out on those on those competitive pitches, hoping they'll run their barrel into one and dealing with the strikeouts, even with men on base. They're all good playing that game. I don't personally think that's sort of the best way to go about a seven-game series, but of course, that's the roster that you've built, minus, minus a, a couple players. But that's, that's the way those guys play. They sell out by and large. So it is obviously incumbent on that on that Dodger staff to be to, to be especially true, but they'll they'll chase. So that's I, I, the most effective pitch for the Dodgers in this series is going to be that pitch that starts as a strike and ends up as a ball because of the, the the quality of stuff that, that that those guys have in that rotation. I think that could go a long way in suppressing what the Rays do. I mean, when you're watching the Dodgers, every guy that comes to the plate can hurt you. Everyone. Every one of them. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you this number also, which I think will also go a long way in sort of informing us what Kevin Cash's plan might be. Because obviously he's a wizard in that bullpen, but I think his maneuvering is going to be massive. So the Dodgers this postseason, they own a 990 OPS with a platoon advantage. That's the highest mark of any team in the, in the postseason. With a platoon disadvantage, however, that number plummets to 664, more than a 300 percentage point difference. That's the lowest mark among all teams to play more than five games this postseason. It's a massive difference. So I'm circling the names of Every lefty reliever for the Rays, they collectively own a 4-5-0 ERA during the postseason this year. That's sort of the one weakness you could argue is that the Rays, all the guys that could blow smoke out of the pen, not a lot of them throw with their left hand. So if, if Kevin Cash isn't comfortable going to those lefties, that could be a major problem because these Dodgers hitters have feasted with a platoon advantage this postseason, an OPS of nearly 1,000 through you know, about 15 games. That's, that's wild. So when you you're look at the Dodgers – I mean, their their one problem is is getting to those twenty seven outs, and yeah. their bullpen. You know, is Kenley Jansen back? Is he not? Do you trust trying it? I mean, so uh, wild <laughs> finishes, right? This is. I feel like this Dodgers these Dodgers conversations. This is like Groundhog Day. Every single year, we talk about Clayton Kershaw pitching into the sixth and seventh inning, and whether or not Kenley Jansen's cutter is adequately cutting, and whether or not he still has enough velocity to beat hitters with it this is just the Dodgers and um given their track record I think it's pretty evident that they're gonna have to score some runs to win this series because I don't know that they can pound for pound out pitch the Rays but right now the Dodgers own a 7-3-6 ERA in the ninth inning in the postseason 7-3-6 
the Rays, who had the best ERA in the ninth inning during the regular season, they're at 6.35. So sort of my going theory here as to why those numbers are so high, aside from the obvious sort of small sample size theater, to quote the great Brian Kenny, is these teams are so much more informed than they've ever been before but in terms of lining up their best pitchers by leverage throughout the game. So at these, pitch, these, these, these managers have learned that some of the most important at-bats in the game are in the sixth inning and the seventh inning. And the Rays pitching uh, has been unbelievable in high-leverage situations this year, uh, limiting uh, this postseason, limiting their opponents to an OPS under 500. Those guys have shoved when they've had to shove. But by the time you get to the ninth inning, you're out of all your guys. We saw we had to see yesterday Julio Urias finish the game uh, to get nine outs and wasn't able to get much swing and miss. Like that's that's a problem. If that's the best they got, I'm with you. I think you're going to see a lot of seventh, eighth, and ninth inning sort of uh, late and close lead changes. That's very possible as far as I'm concerned. And if that's the case, I think it actually favors the Rays a good bit because the depth of their bullpen, like you said, trumps the Dodgers by a considerable margin. You know, if the Rays can win this. I think spring training next year will be so different because we have seen so many people in our game come up with excuses why they don't win, right? Market size, television contracts, we don't have the money. Now everybody's going to go, hey, those guys had the 28th payroll and they just won. So it is doable to be in the bottom and have one of the lowest payrolls and still go to the World, World Series if not win the World Series. Yeah, it's beyond doable. Your club has done that better than anybody. Consistently, year after year, your club turns out turns out good baseball teams. So do the Rays. I've sort of, it's sort of facetious to say, but I sort of operate with the assumption that in baseball, the spending curve matters much less than it does in, in some other sports. Because in baseball, what matters far far more than how much you can outspend people is how you can, how you can draft and develop and scout. Both self-scout and pro-scout externally. Because... The, the 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 Rays have made it exceedingly clear that's the way that they can build a championship team. And even the Dodgers, who do have a big payroll, by and large, have built that thing from within. The Dodgers have a, a higher percentage of homegrown talent than most than most clubs. I think there's a good chance that that whole conversation gets thrown out the window once the Rays win, win a championship. But I think <laughs> you said the, the Rays are sort of apologized for because of their market size. I don't think there's any great player in any sport in history – who has apologized for more than uh, more than Clayton Kershaw is? I am. I have had it up to here with the Clayton Kershaw apologists, and I'm not here for it. This guy's gonna have to pitch twice in the World Series, and the, and I, I can already hear it. You're gonna blame Dave Roberts, and you're gonna blame his pitch count, and you're gonna blame the inherited runners or just facing the meat of the lineup for the third time. I'm over it. If you're an all-time great, you gotta get people out in the postseason. I'm not here. I'm not here for the the Clayton Kershaw apologists. I'm not. It's a hot take Monday. Himbo's all over Kershaw. I love it. Brought to you by Traeger Grills. Smoke <laughs> me, smoke me. But, here, but here's my thing. Like, Clayton Kershaw is, he can make a reasonable argument. He is the greatest regular season pitcher that ever lived. He's the greatest ERA plus of, of any starter in Major League Baseball history. Okay? He, he, has, he has performed better in the regular season than any of, of his contemporaries, and he is pitching around a collection of a handful of pitchers that will absolutely go into the Hall of Fame someday, some of whom will go on the first ballot. But there is absolutely no defense for his lack of run prevention in the playoffs, no matter how you choose to slice it. So he has the highest postseason ERA of anyone with 100 innings. He has the highest LCS World Series ERA of anyone with 10 starts. He has the highest ERA in the sixth inning, sixth inning or later of any pitcher in the history of the postseason. I'm not comparing him to his regular season self. I'm comparing him to the average postseason pitcher. And any like, any postseason pitcher who's had anywhere close to the opportunity that he has had 
has performed markedly better than he has performed. This is Clayton Kershaw is a choke artist and and performs like it every year with regularity. The numbers are the, the numbers make it so clear and obvious. And just because he's a nice guy, just because he's so highly regarded and well respected, that doesn't change the numbers. Like the, the Clayton Kershaw gets the benefit of the doubt because we like him so much, right? But that's not fair or reasonable. Clayton Kershaw stinks in the playoffs. He always has. That isn't to say that he can't change. You know who owned the, the record for most consecutive postseason losses at one point? Randy Johnson. We remember him as one of the most clutch postseason pitchers ever because of his time in Arizona. We Our selective memory there is fair because he took that team to a championship and won it almost by himself. Clayton Kershaw has that opportunity and he can do it right now. If he wins two post if he wins two World Series games and throws well in this series, you can flip that thing immediately on its head. But right now, I'm not here for those who apologize for him. And I don't think it's slanderous to say that he is an absolute choke artist in the postseason and has been for the last decade. How much does he compare like Greg Maddox? Because Greg Maddox was like a five hundred pitcher and got roughed up. I mean, not as bad as Kershaw, but for a guy who won 350-whatever games, he wasn't that great in the postseason. No, he wasn't that great in the postseason, and and neither was neither was Tom Glavin either. But the, I think the difference between Greg Maddox and and Clayton Kershaw is that the numbers are way more crooked. Uh, when I'm looking at – like, I'm just looking at his page. He's three games under 500 for his career, but his earned run average is 327. It's, it's a run uh, lower than Clayton Kershaw's. Kershaw and Kershaw has played for the best teams year after year after year. That that loss he took in the World Series against Houston, where he was spotted a lead a few years back, there Bob Gibson never once lost that game. Tom Seaver never lost that game. Christy Matherson never lost that game. And he's lost that game a few times. He's lost five games in his postseason career in which he's been spotted a lead. That's tied for the most all time. There's no one for him to blame but himself. And sure, if 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 his relievers did a good job of cleaning up the, his messes, it would be different. His his ERA would be almost a run uh, shorter, for, um, to be candid. But that's part of the deal. Like he leaves those guys with messes. How many times has Dave Roberts had to come out there and take that ball from his hand with, and, and just those guys just have to inherit an absolute mess. And sometimes it's early earlier in the game than later in the game. The bottom line is that he can't pitch in the postseason. That isn't to say that you shouldn't uh, still hand him the ball. That isn't to say that someday he won't sort of exercise those demons. But it is to say that I think this World Series is an absolute referendum on him, considering the way that the staffs are shaping up, that he'll have to throw twice. And, and that second time will potentially be in an elimination game for him or his opponent. For guys' legacies and how we view them, you know, the majority of the Dodgers – you know, Mookie's already won a World Series. Bellinger's young. You know, Turner's a great story. But really, for me, a World Series win really is big for Kershaw and I think really big for Dave Roberts. Because mm-hmm. if they don't win this and it doesn't go well, I mean, I could see Dave Roberts being out. Yeah, I could too. Uh, I think there was a I'm, – I'm friendly with a few really ardent Dodgers fans at ESPN, and they were – um, calling for him to, to be fired after last year. Which, and look, when you make it in the postseason this far every year, it's really easy to nitpick and say, he should have done this and should have done that. By and large, he's a good manager and he'll get a job right away. But I'm with you. Like, how many times can you watch the same movie, see the same outcome, and not, you know, and not change, and not change the narrative there? I'm with you. Clayton, this, this World Series is absolutely a referendum on Clayton Kershaw. He was miraculously saved by, by a, a, a three game win streak by, like, those guys picked him up in a, in a big way. You mentioned Mookie Betts also, who I think is absolutely worth talking about because I think we're watching a first ballot Hall of Fame type player. Like I think we're, I think we're talking about a player who 
when it's all said and done, we might think of as one of the, I don't know, 20 or 25 greatest position players of all time. Like I, 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 and that's, you sort of have to take a leap there and believe in some of the advanced metrics. But if you watch him play, like, is there, has you, have you ever seen a better corner outfielder? Have you ever seen a guy who can do all the things he can do? He can run like the wind. He catches everything. He's got a hose. He can hit for average. He can hit for power. He's already had an like he's already had an all time great season when the Reds, Red Sox won the World Series. He's now having a, a legitimately great postseason and went a long way in bringing his team back from a three one hole in his first year there. Two massive markets. This is this is an all time great. We're watching an all time great, and I know he's not he's not he's not um, super loud smoking, and he's not the most marketable player in the world. And I I think the way that he left Boston probably. Um, uh, annoyed some people, but the bottom line is that his play on the field is extraordinary. By wins above replacement on a per game basis, he's a top ten position player of all time. Like he's in the group with Hornsby and Fox and Gehrig and Trout. Like that's the kind of company he's in right now. You got to buy into the outfield defense being pretty important to make that jump. But I don't think it's hyperbole to say that that guy's an all time on track to be an all time great. And I think he is almost until this year been overshadowed by Mike Trout, who is one of one. All right, let's end on this. In a little over an hour, Vanessa Richardson down in Houston, they're going to air a half, uh, I guess it's 37 minutes. She goes to Jeffrey Lunau's house, and we've played a little bit of it, which they've leaked out to us. Um, He's going to go in full denial mode. He's going to act like there's a ton of text messages. There's a ton of emails that he never saw. Uh, Whether it's on GetUp or... I just, how are you going to feel about that when the the boss is acting like he has no idea? Even though we know the culture was terrible, baseball hated everything that they did, but now he's just going to deny, deny, deny. How do you feel about that? Generally speaking, I think it's unattractive when leaders play that card, and they often do. The most, I think, egregious example that I can recall is Rick Pitino at Louisville with that whole scandal with Katina Powell and all the and all all the action at the at the dorm. Like that was. One of those things where, like, either way, it's an indictment on you. If you didn't know, your head was way too deep into the sand. And if you did know, you clearly didn't do anything about it. And either way, it's bad leadership. So, uh, look, Jeff Luno is going to, I assume, go to his grave saying this stuff. And what it might be true, but the bottom line is that it doesn't much matter if it's if what he's saying is true or not. If, if The way that the world works is if in a position of extraordinary responsibility and something goes on uh, in your organization – especially as damning as what went on here, someone has to take the fall for it and someone needs to take ownership of it also. There, there's no reason that Jeff Luno can't be truthful and also uh, assume responsibility in a way that will project favorably. But that's not how the Astros have played this game. The Astros, as you know, are not a first-class organization. At least they weren't under his leadership. They cut corners in, in all sorts of ways and probably, to be candid, in ways that we still don't know. So as far as I'm concerned, like what he says tonight won't much matter to me because I – I've read enough to know the story. I think there's a really good chance he gets another job somewhere because he is a bright baseball mind. But I'm not here for I'm not here for that. Like I'm definitely I'd be stunned if my opinion was changed on what happened based on anything that he said because he's had a year to get his story straight and it's 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 awfully cheap to do it this way if if he indeed goes in the direction that you just shared. Brought to you by Traeger Grills. What's the uh, next thing you're gonna smoke? Um, you know. I, I want to do like a, a massive pork shoulder. I want to get that. I want to get that nice and like I just want that to come off nice and easy. Like I, I and you can do that in so many different ways. You can you can like slaw it up and make it sort of Carolina style. You can you can you can uh, sauce it up and sort of make it Texas style. I want to do a nice like long like a, like a nice long uh, pork shoulder one day. Really get into that. 
and then and see how we do. My, my wife doesn't like everything that we try, so I have to sort of pick and choose here. You know, first year of marriage, it's important for me to pick my battle. Well, uh, I know this is not going to shock you. I got a recipe for you. Oh, hit me up, kid. Hit me up. And I'm telling you right now, you get the bone in, mm. and at the end of this, when you pull the bone out, the meat just oh. poof. Oh. And it's going to taste almost like carnitas. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got it for you. It's okay. an all-day deal. And, like, you're right, because you can either go tacos. You can later put it in a salad. Mm. It's so versatile, and it's so easy. Your wife will love it. I'm, I'm going to have a food truck in my backyard next week, and I'm going to be making good money. I'm, I'm with you. This, is, this, 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 this has potential to really satisfy me, put 30 pounds on my, on my waist, and maybe even provide some additional income. This is big time. You know what? I got about three years and my kids are going to be off to college. I'm going to buy a second home in New Jersey close to you. <laughs> and we're going to start a cooking business together. <laughs> we need a daily show then. We need a daily show. Oh, yeah. And we also need our doctors on, you know, like my, like the, my 600 pound life doctors that come on and just excoriate you for all these terrible things that you're eating. And you just genuinely don't care, but you're on TV anyway. So we're going to have to have that aspect of it as well. Because otherwise, like, what will I last two or three years? I mean, that's that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna destroy my heart. But I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm telling you, I'm a I'm a I'm Jersey Shore. I'm mm. gonna get the fake tan. I'm gonna be orange. I can't wait. We can we, we can gym tan laundry together, and then we <laughs> and then we can and, and we can Saturday and Sunday smoke, and um and then my wife can find a real person to spend the rest of her life with. <laughs> <laughs> Himbo, you are the best, my man. We'll talk to you soon. By the way. Uh, Dodgers Rays, who you going? Dodgers and six. Mark it down. Dodgers and six. Be well, my friend. Likewise. Be good. The great Paul Hembikides from ESPN. Jerry Hairston Jr., who covers the Dodgers, won a World Series with the Yankees as a player in 09, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. I believe Jerry's got to be fired up as someone who covers the Los Angeles Dodgers on television. Played for the Orioles, Cubs, Rangers, Reds, Yankees, Padres, Nationals, Brewers, and then ended his career with the Dodgers, won the World Series with the New York Yankees. I always love having him on the program. Jerry, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Chris, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great. Congratulations. Uh, Dodgers going to the World Series. I know you guys are going to have a blast with this. Yeah, man. We are so proud of this team, man. So proud of the guys. We're, we're excited. You know, you, you think about this Dodger team during this run, you know, eight years winning the division is incredible. Uh, is this the best Dodger team you've been around? I can only answer that after we win the World Series. You know, <laughs> okay. talent-wise, uh, talent-wise, it's right up there. You know, I really thought the 2013 team was very talented with Matt Kemp, Andre Ether, Daniel Ramirez, National Fleet, and a prime. Uh, Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I thought that probably was the most talented. Uh, this team may be the most, uh, uh, as far as depth, may have the most depth. But again, the 2013 did not win the World Series. 
Uh, and we always talk about great Dodger teams. The historically great Dodger teams, it starts by winning a World Series. And that's the 88 team, the 81 team, and so on and so forth. So these guys understand that. The players understand that in order for us to be great, we have to bring home that, that hardware. That's to be World Series champions. Yeah, and this team has a ton of talent. And, you know, uh, playing out in right field, Mookie Betts is just so special. He's so talented offensively, defensively, the speed, everything he brings. How much of a greater appreciation do you have for him now that you've been able to able to watch him every single day? Well, I'll tell you what, I believe it was 2018 or 17. I'm, I'm really good friends with Dustin Petroya. And when, when Petey was on that team in Boston, I made it a point to, to go visit him in the clubhouse. And, and when I did, I said, listen, I, I got to meet Mookie Betts. He's my favorite college player with his athleticism. But now seeing him every single day, and I've said this the last month or two, you know, he's with Ken Griffey Jr. and Roberta Alomar as the most skilled baseball players I've ever seen. You know, you talk about the accurate arm, you talk about the range, uh, his heads-up base running, uh, the speed, the power. He, there isn't anything he can't do on a baseball field. And it's, a, it's been a full display, you know, in this NLCS, but we've got a chance to see it every day uh, coming to Dodgers. Yeah, he's a special guy. There's no doubt about it. What a pickup for the Dodgers. Uh, how big is this World Series for Clayton Kershaw and his legacy? Well, for his legacy, he's a first battle Hall of Famer. You know, so I think just for him, knowing Clayton, the competitor that he is, he wants to win this World Series, not just for him, but for the city of L.A., uh, for the entire Dodger Nation. So, you know, he's competitive when playing ping pong. You know, so he always wants to win. He's got that Jordan mentality, that, that Kobe Bryant, like, win at all costs type of mentality. So, uh, for him, he wants to win. As far as legacy, I think his legacy is already set, but, you know, first style Hall of Famer, of course, winning a World Series uh, with everybody else's eyes would definitely enhance that. You know, it wasn't that long ago you were still playing. Your last year was 2013. Is it just crazy to you from, let's say, when you first came up with the Orioles to where we are now with the velocity where every single guy coming out of the bullpen is throwing 100 miles an hour? Well, I think the guns are more accurate now. You know, I've been talking to some some scouts. Uh, the guns are better meaning. They're able to read the, the, the velocity out of their hand now, whereas opposed when we when I played years ago, uh, they would get the velocity when I was crossing the plate. So if that's throwing 100 now, that means he was throwing 97 then. You know, so it, it, it's three three miles an hour up as far as the gun machine, but still 97 to 100. That's bringing it. Uh, but I think they got the, you know especially the race team. Everybody in that bullpen seems like they're throwing 97 to 100 miles an hour. And uh, Cash does an outstanding job navigating that bullpen and bringing, it, bringing guys, you know, to face certain guys at, at any particular time. So, you know, the elite teams have that power in the bullpen. The Dodgers have a great bullpen. The Rays have a great bullpen. It's going to be interesting how these managers uh, use them in this series. Well, you played at Dodger Stadium. You played at Petco. Were you shocked 
uh, watching the American League, whether it's the division series or the ALCS, and watching balls just fly out of Dodger Stadium in Petco Park? It rocked. I have never seen. I played for the Padres in 2010, and obviously I played for the, for the Dodgers, and I played a divisioning player too. Balls were just jumping out. You know, going three-fourths above the grandstand, out on the concourse, and, you know, guys are, are, are big, but guess what? Guys are huge in my day too. Mark McGuire, all those guys were big too. So uh, whether the balls are wound a little tighter, and I think it does make for a better show. Everybody likes the long ball, uh, but it does kind of negate that power pitching, too. You know, the guy's throwing 100 miles an hour. You get it out front, ball will jump. How much do you think it changes now going to Arlington? Because Arlington is playing bigger. Yeah. Well, I think the Dodgers may have that slight edge because they've been there the last couple of weeks. They know how, how that stadium plays. Uh, I'm sure uh, as we speak, Jack was probably having a workout now. I'll uh, try to get used to that, that stadium. Uh, them being in the ALE, they didn't get a chance to play in that ballpark. So they're trying to get the new, uh, get get down the, the nuances of that ballpark, how it jets out in certain areas, how the walls play. So uh, definitely the advantage Dodgers there. But listen, they, they got some guys that are, that, that are strong on, in that lineup. If they get it, ball's going to carry. Uh, and the Dodgers have found out when they get the baseball, Ball jumps out of there. Ask Kiki Hernandez and Cody Bellinger. I'm so glad you said that because I've been using that point, and a lot of people have acted like it's not a big deal. Tampa has never played here, and you've just come off playing a couple series in Arlington. I got to think, as a player, that's a huge advantage. You know you know how the turf plays. You know how fast it is. You know the outfield. You know everything about it. You're comfortable in that clubhouse that you've been in. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that is a total advantage for the Dodgers. It, it is. It is an advantage. Now, as far as the turf, you got to remember, Tampa does play on turf. So that will be familiar to them, especially their infielders. They're not going to be surprised on certain bounces because they have turf in Tampa uh, during the season. But again, you know, the background, you know, the mound, where the pitchers get used to the mound quicker. I know listening to Clay Kershaw, when he was my teammate, and Kenley Jackson, those guys would talk about certain ballparks and, and their mounds, how comfortable that mound was. Or if we go to another uh, 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 stadium, they didn't like that certain mound. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how quickly Tampa Bay adjusts to that ballpark. Let's end on this. Uh, Kenley Jansen, his last last couple outings, it looks like the cutter's back. He's he's got an uptick in velocity. Uh, you're game one, and you got to close this thing out in the ninth. Are you going with him? So you know because remember the reason why Dave, which was a brilliant move last night, did not use Kenley. It would have been three days in a row, and that's not fair to Kenley. You know you don't ever want to pitch a guy three days in a row, especially if, if you're starting to become a veteran pitcher. Uh, and with, with Kenley, he would have had yesterday off and now today. So if there's a situation where, you know, we got to leave, you know, I don't think Dave Roberts is going to hesitate to use Kenley Jansen. Well, it's been one heck of the year for Dodger Blue, and I think we're going to have a great World Series. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be a part of it. Good luck to you, and then hopefully we're talking to you about a uh, Dodger victory. I hope so, man. Again, I'm proud of these guys, and hopefully they close it out. Four more wins. 
Job's not finished. Take care. Be safe. Take care. Thank you. Jerry Harrison Jr., former champion with the 09 New York Yankees. Where, remember when he said, arguably the greatest infield of all time, and you went, well, you got A-Rod. You got Jeter. You got Robbie Cano. And you got Mark Teixeira. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. (laughs) And Cano's still playing, which is even crazy. Cano's still playing in New York. Just, well, not the Yankees, but he's still playing. And he had a good year this year. So, but you're right. That, that infield was really good, especially that's when wow. Teixeira was in his heyday. Yes. I mean, you know what? To be honest with you, I, if the Rays win, cool. If the Dodgers win, cool. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's like, it's like not having a dog in the fight. You just don't. I don't have hatred for the Dodgers anymore like I used to. I like Dave Roberts a lot. You know, I like watching, you know, I like watching the Dodgers. They got some really good players. Uh, Dodgers have been good to us on this show, to be honest with you. Rays, I think it's one for the little guy. It would be a great story for baseball. So I'm kind of like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to root for the Rays. But if the Dodgers win, it's not going to, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like, if it's the, if it was like the Astros, oh my God. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because they both pitch. They both play defense. I mean, kind of the unknown. The unknown. You want to know what the unknown in this series is? You ready for this? And I can't believe I'm saying it. But you want to know what the unknown is? Let's hear it. What baseball are we using? Are we using a regular baseball? Are we using a Titleist Pro V1? I mean, what are we using here? A jumpy ball or a regular ball? Because whether it's Dusty Baker, Bob Melvin, Jerry Harrison Jr., all these men played at Dodger Stadium. Jerry played at Petco Park. Bob Melvin has managed there. Dusty Baker's managed there. The fact that these two ballparks look like bandboxes when they were traditionally pitchers parks tells you everything you need to know. I don't care if it was 90 degrees in Southern California. There were 24 home runs hit in four games at Dodger Stadium. That's a joke. I I I just the ball's juiced. So which ball we if you're not using a juice ball, advantage Dodgers. If you're using a juiced baseball, like they have been using, that's advantage. In theory, that's advantage Rays. Because as Hembo told you, it's home run or bust for them. Dodgers, they are so talented. They can slug it with you. They hit the most home runs in baseball, but they have the ability to put the ball in play and to score runs without hitting home runs. That's where they're scary. And the Rays, you mentioned their home runs, 71.9% of their runs scored this postseason have been off the home run. That's the highest for any postseason in any of the World Series. The previous high, the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates at 58.3%. So the Rays, 72% of their runs have come off the home run. 
And that's what they do. Randy Arozarena has, what, seven home runs now in the in the playoffs? He's two hits away from tying Derek Jeter's – or one breaking Derek Jeter's record for most hits by rookie in the postseason. I really want to see that record go down. Uh, it, it's going to be a, f- a fantastic series, I think. Uh, just the way they ha- – like Hembo mentioned the lefties. With the Rays, they got – like I said, they got Jose Alvarado back who throws gas. He throws 100 from the left side. So that's – Hopefully going to play an advantage of the Rays out of their bullpen for Kevin Cash. But we'll see because the Dodgers are so talented all around. I, I got to see – I'm hoping to see Cody Bellinger have a better – I mean, he had the huge home run in game seven, obviously, the, the go-ahead game-winning home run. But also I want to see Mookie hit a little better. I want to see just Mookie on defense. It feels like every ball that's hit the right field he's going to catch. It doesn't matter where it is. He'll just jump over the wall to grab it like he did the last couple. Uh, it, it's going to be great to uh, defensively. It's going to be a great series because both teams are very good defensively, and the bullpens and pitching staffs are good. So it's it's going to come down to uh, essentially who the old cliche who scores more runs will win the game. Wow! Wait a minute. <laughs> You're saying the team that scores more runs will win the game? Yeah, I'm going to go on a limb here. I think a team that scores more will win. Wow, that's like that's that, that's inspirational stuff right there. Um, Cody Bellinger in 48 career playoff games has hit 196. Kershaw in two World Series is one and two with a 5.40 ERA. All time in the postseason, he's 11 and 12 with a 4.31. There's some Dodgers on here that you want to talk about your legacy. You better start doing something in these big games. I, I don't have that feeling about the race. And you know what scares me about Rosarena, where we're, we, we joke how good he is? Is he really this powerful, or is it the juice baseball? I mean, he clearly is making hard contact. But these numbers are like, it's hard to believe the amount of home runs. You want to think it's it's the players, but... How many – I mean, there's no way this this is a regular ball. There's no way. Watching it fly out the way it has. So that's my big question. What base – are we using a regular baseball or are we using the juiced-up baseball? Yeah, and I think Sarah had – Sarah Langs had the number for how many home runs, like p- p- the uh, amount of runs scored came off a home run this year. I think it's like the second highest ever. It's in like the low 50s where, like I said, the Rays are at 72%. What's also fascinating about this World Series, you sent this note to me earlier, and I saw it actually yesterday. Only six of the 25 World Series winners in the wildcard era have been the teams with the best record in baseball. The last team to win the World Series with the best record, well, that was the 2018 Boston Red Sox. So only six teams out of the 25 that had the best record entering the postseason won the World Series. So will the Dodgers be number seven? We'll see. But the Rays are really good too. They want they didn't they, they didn't uh, backdoor themselves into forty wins for a reason. They with no reason. They they are a very talented team. And man, if Ro- Randy Rosarena doesn't start hit any home doesn't hit any home runs in Texas, uh, it's going to be hard because, like I said early a couple days ago, that Rays lineup does not is not hitting well. Uh, if you t- if you look at the collective batting average, I think it was below two hundred, and Rosarena was just carrying them. But well, new series. Had it. I wrote it down. Take out a Rosarena, they're they're all collectively hitting a a buck eighty three. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all. So that's where I will go 
Dodgers. I was once told by an old partner of mine, Rick Buecher, that if you ever say a team and in seven, then you don't know. So if you say Rays in seven or Dodgers in seven, then you don't know. I'm going to go Dodgers in five. Okay. I I mean, I I told you I was taking the Rays. I, I could be bold and say raise in a sweep, but I, I'm not that. Ooh. I'm not that. I already, I already made my proclamation. I told you the Marlins are going to make the playoffs. I got Rays in six. I think the Rays win in six. And Clayton Kershaw loses both of the starts he has in the, in the oh, season. Oh, wow. What if that happened? What, say hypothetically that happens. They win the World Series, and Kershaw gets rocked in both starts. What I, I'm, I'm with Hembo 100%. I don't want to hear the, the apologist. They're going to tell you, it's not fair. It's not fair. He, the baseball was different. Dave Roberts left him in too long. No. Like, if you want to be – Hemba laid it out. He put it way – he laid out better than I ever could. If you want to be considered elite, you got to have an elite postseason. Madison Bumgarner is not the greatest postseason – or the greatest pitcher in the regular season, but he's really good in the postseason. He shows up when it matters. Randy Johnson got over the hump. Charlie Morton's one of the greatest winner-take-all game pitchers in the history of baseball. The guys that aren't that great in the regular season get it done in the postseason. It's time for Clayton Kershaw to prove that he's an all-time great, and I just don't think he's going to get it done against the, against the race. Bold prediction, he loses both starts. Not only does he lose both starts, you're saying he's getting hammered in both starts. Yep, I'm, hey, I'm, hey, there's so many people that just take the, the easy way out. Oh, uh, you know, he'll he'll probably win one and lose one. He'll pitch pretty well. No, I'm, I'm going to be bold and say he loses both and he doesn't pitch well in either game. The hole coming back from 3-1 kind of toughens you up to where the Rays, you know, they almost gave it up. So I, I think the Dodgers are coming in. I think they're coming in with some great confidence. Dodgers in five. You got t- you got buying or selling? Oh, yeah, I got some stuff. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, you mentioned the 3-1, and it pains me to bring it up for fans of – the city of Hotlanta, that's not really Hotlanta. They, well, they're just Atlanta. Remember a few years ago when the Falcons had that Super Bowl lead of 28-3 against uh, old oh. Tommy Brady? And uh, oh. they blew that lead, and the Patriots won their fifth Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan left as the offensive coordinator to go be the 49ers head coach. Well, the Braves said, hey, hold my beer. The 2020 NLE champions were up 3-1 over the Dodgers in the NLCS. And, hey, guess what? They lost again. If it wasn't for a huge base running gaffe in the fourth inning, which I still will never understand what happened there. This game probably would have been a little different. They would have added more insurance runs, uh, potentially. It would, they come up at least 4-2, but it didn't happen. This is the 16th consecutive playoff appearance in which the Braves did not win a World Series. The most consecutive playoff appearances not leading to a title, the Braves at 16, Cubs at 14, Dodgers, A's, and Indians all tied at 13. Buying or selling Atlanta is the most tortured sports town in America. That's interesting. I'm still going with Buffalo. I'm selling. Oh, that's that is. You lose, you lose, you lose, you lose, 
Steelers four straight Super Bowls. You haven't been back since. I, I feel so bad for those people. I'm going Buffalo. Well, and you, you got to deal with those long winters. Yeah, with all the snow. Uh, if you didn't know, the Bills are playing the Chiefs right now, and they're losing 13-10 to 10 in the third quarter. So there's your Buffalo sports update for the day. What? Yeah, Bills and Chiefs are playing right now. They started like they started at 2 o'clock, I think. Are you serious? Yeah, they're playing right now. 13-10 KC over the Bills. Because the Monday night yeah. game's uh, Cowboys-Cardinals, which starts at like 5-something. So that's I, – I don't think it's Atlanta either. Um, I think Minnesota's pretty uh, – I mean, what's Minnesota won recently? The Wild don't win. Uh, the Vikings can't get to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Twins can't win a playoff game. The Lynx are good. Their WNBA team's good. They win titles. And then the, the Timberwolves, they stink. They made the playoffs like once in the last like 20 years. Well, no, last like 15 because it was the last time they were any good was when KG was there and they had the one off year with Tim uh, Tom Thibodeau. So I think Minnesota is pretty, uh, pretty tortured too. So Saturday was the end of the Astros season. And what a season it was for them, even though they were 29 and 31. But another thing in Houston week ending this offseason, that's the era of George Springer. The former first-round pick is a free agent. It might be the biggest name on the market as well. Springer was the MVP of the now-tarnished 2017 World Series and a driving force atop of the Astros team that advanced the ALCS in four consecutive years into the World Series twice in a three-year span. Springer's 19 career postseason home runs are a franchise record and he's only behind Manny's 29, Bernie Williams is 22, and Derek Jeter at 20. He's a 27.3 career war, 174 career homers, and a 131 OPS plus, and a three-time all-star with the Houston Astros. He just turned 31, and he's a career 269 hitter in the postseason. Buying or selling Saturday was George Springer's last game as a Houston Astro. I'm going to buy it. I think he's gonna. He's going to. He's gonna do what 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 I was talking about just a little bit ago. That it's it's time to, it's time to get out of there. And get out of there. You you got lucky. You didn't have to face it this year. They're gonna have to face it next year. And it's time for your legacy to uh, to to move on down the road and distance yourself from the Houston Astros. I I, th- I think I think uh, this I, I think he's out of here. I agree. I think he's gone too. I think we have time for two more. Corey Seager is really making a name for himself this postseason. Well, if you if you're just a casual fan, you might not know who he was. But if you're a diehard fan, you've known who Corey Seager is for years. The NLCS MVP had five homers, eleven RBIs in the seven game series versus the Atlanta Braves. He is just 26 years old. Now, remember, the Dodgers have a lot of good young players who are on rookie deals. And Corey Seager is a free agent after 2021. That shortstop class is Lindor, Correa, Trevor Story, and Javi Baez, along with uh, Seager himself. The Dodgers have a huge decision to make also on Cody Bellinger coming up because he's young and he needs a new deal after they resigned Mookie Betts this offseason after trading for him as well. Buying or selling, Corey Seager will not be a Los Angeles Dodger in 2022. I'm selling that. The way he's playing right now. Seriously, the way he's playing right now, who would you rather have, him or Lindor? Oh, I'm taking Seager right now. Lindor had a terrible year. I mean, yeah, I, I, I he's not missing. And if you think about it, 
that's not like going into a series. Are you saying, hey, I can't have Seager beat me? That's where we're at right now, right? Like the race I mean, with Rosarena. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Seager's like, I, I can't let this guy beat me for Nick Bellinger bats. I can't let this. I mean, that's where their their lineup is so good. It's just, it really is scary. Just, it's like every guy they got in the lineup can really hurt you. Yeah, it's their their lineup is good. It's very talented. And who's you know the one guy we're not talking about at all because he's not on the roster. Uh, remember Gavin Lux? Uh, remember how he was supposed to be Ooh. the next big thing? They still have him. The Dodgers are so good at drafting and developing players. This is why they're going to be so good for years to come. Uh, I I think Seager stays too. Uh, but that that shortstop class is very talented, and I think the next most talented guy on that list is probably going to be Correa. Uh, I just think the way he played this year in the postseason, I think he's building towards a big year next year going into free agency. So wouldn't be surprised if he uh, he gets the most money out of all those guys going into that free agent class. So uh, I'll save the Theo Epstein one for for Thursday because we're out of time, essentially. So uh, it's a good one that I something I saw uh, over the interwebs the, uh, earlier today about Theo Epstein. Really? Yeah. You're gonna tease me till Thursday about Theo? Yeah, it's nothing about him leaving. It's about his regime and uh, just how people, how some guy viewed it. So we'll bring that. Up. I'll make sure we do that on Thursday. Okay. Well, I can guarantee you on Thursday we're gonna have some cuts and some thoughts, not only about the World Series, but the interview that Jeffrey Lunau is going to be. Uh, a part of in about a half hour. Vanessa Richardson is a reporter and anchor in Houston. Got to meet her. Uh, got to meet her in Houston when the Raiders are taking on the Texans. We've had her on the program before. We'll try and get her on Thursday. He it's it seems like at this point he's going to go full denial. And I don't know how that's going to look good. But I think Cody will have so we'll have some cuts from that uh, on Thursday when we're back from one to four. Yeah, and I also reached out to Vanessa too, so we'll see if we have her. We'll have uh, Ned Coletti, good friend of the program, back on because the Dodgers are in the World Series. So we'll talk to Ned, uh, Ray Fossey, efforting Fo- Fossey and Friends segment. I did ask the Dodgers for Dave Roberts, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> And uh, I'm hoping to have Raleigh Fingers on on Thursday as well because the AL Reliever of the Year Award will be, will be announced uh, game prior to Game 4 on Saturday. And Liam's one of the finalists, so if Liam Hendricks wins Reliever of the Year, it'd be great to, to have Raleigh on beforehand to talk about winning that award and pitching in multiple innings in the postseason and everything. So I'm hoping to have Raleigh and potentially Eck on the following week as well. So uh, Thursday will be a lot of fun. Um... What are the odds you think you'll get Dave Roberts? What are the odds you think uh, the Dodgers respond to my email request? Pretty slim. Yeah, they usually do, though. They usually get back to me. Um, so I'll give them that. And same with the Rays. The Rays got back to me within like 10 minutes. after they, I, I emailed them Sunday morning. They got back to me in within 10 minutes. Uh, shut me down with my good friend Cashy. So we'll see how much uh, your relationship with Dave Roberts comes through on, in this uh, request. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, we're going to replay this show, and we will be back on Thursday from 1 to 4. Everybody be safe and enjoy A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. 
This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.